Hey guys, welcome to Third Coast Gaming Radio. My name is Travis Doyle, as usual. Um, you know, today's November 9th. It is a Monday, and uh, we're joined by Austin Taylor. Howdy. My co-host and um, fantastic Mass Effect fan. Absolutely. Just crazy about those yeah. Mass Effect relays and that 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 blue lady who will have sex with you with her mind or whatever. Man, jumping right into it, Austin, you know. What about the um I forgot what the ship was called. We were talking about it in the pre-show. The Normandy. No, no, the uh the Mud Skipper. Oh, the Mud Skipper. I don't know what that is. It called the Mud Skipper. I don't know. We were Anyway, all right. We got a bunch of news, so I'm going to get right into it. N7 day happened on November 7th and they announced the Mass Effect Legendary Edition which is going to be Series X, PlayStation 5, PC. It uh, looks like it's also coming to Xbox One, PS4, and PC. It's spring 2021. And then they announced that th- they said, we're going to be working on a new Mass Effect game as well. How do you feel, yeah. Austin? What's up? A veteran team has been hard at work envisioning the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe. God, I hope it's not the same veteran team that made Anthem. It's not. I mean, I just, I don't. I don't. I look at Mass Effect stuff, and I just, I can't bring myself to care anymore. I don't know. Like, it's not even like because I didn't <clears throat> like Andromeda. I think there are things about Andromeda that I that are really great. Um, like I think Andromeda is far more a game about its characters than like any of the Mass Effect like trilogy was by itself and I just So I didn't play Andromeda that much. Um Yeah, I'll tell you Mass Effect one and two, I was like, yeah, these guys are cool and they're hanging out with me, but the only thing I know about them usually is when you do their loyalty mission. I think. Yeah, so like I mean I think with Mass Effect is like with all, like I I replayed these games in like July, and the thing with uh like an aspect that I noticed is that it kind of resets. It just it has does this thing where it kind of resets your friendship with each character in every game. Uh, so that way you can like establish a different relationship in this game, mostly like romances. Uh. From what I, from what I remember in two, you you meet um you'll see Rex and he's just on the planet and he won't join you and I'm like okay Rex I guess you know you're busy doing stuff I was dead for two years or whatever however long it was and he's just chilling and then you go meet um rogue space cop uh what was his name Garrus yeah Gar- you meet Garrus and he's just a rogue he's just sniping people and he's like. Oh hey Garrus, uh, what's up, dude? Yeah, you know he's Garrus. You don't uh, really his, get into that after his arc of the first game was like, do I want to try to be a better cop or do I want to abandon the law? And whatever path he takes, he winds up in Omega, which is like a criminal outpost. He's just killing people because they're all criminals uh, on Omega. He's hunting down mercenary groups. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's just um, the Punisher, Austin. He's just the yeah. Punisher. He just wants to kill people. He just wants to kill criminals with impunity, and it's a really weird 
a really bad like arc for the second game. And then the third game is just ignored because now he's just an agent for the Turian government. Is he is Garrus like in your party in three at all? Yeah, yeah. So Garrus is like Garrus and Tali are the two like companions that make it like that are in your party in every game. Yeah. One could almost say the best party members. Mm. 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 I would I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah, I forgot Rex. Sorry, of course. There's always Rex. Me and Rex are bumping fists and slamming beer in the Yeah, I mean Rex I mean Rex is fine. I don't if I like look at any of the companions for Mass Effect now, I don't really like any of them, I have to say. Like the ones that are interesting, I don't think are given much of like are given much time to expand on what makes them interesting. Um like after two, because like the companions you get in two, I'd say start out with like some really cool ideas, but then in three, most of them are sidelined. Yeah, uh, for to, the I guess for the people that yeah, because the they need to give about. Edie a robot body. Um, oh, robot body! <laughs> so that way, Seth Seth Green's character can be like, "Yeah, I want to bang that." Um, it's just, it's, Speaking of robot know. bodies, does Legion play a part in three at all? I mean, Legion Legion's like a character. Um, he's like another one of these Mass Effect two characters who gets sidelined. Um, he's he's a part of like the the I think the second like arc of three where you're going to the Korean homeworld to try and put an end to the Korean Geth conflict. And no matter what ending you get at the end of that uh, arc, Legion uh, bites the dust. Bummer. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, okay, so in Mass Effect, there's a group of aliens called the geth and they're like basically the borg i would say they're close enough to the borg and they're usually the bad guys you're shooting at and legion is like a collective of people of robots who are trying to help you in one mission and two and you can get them to join your group yeah uh yeah the geth are like a sort of collective ai but there's like two in two that's like two you find out that there are two different groups of geth one that helped the Reapers and the ones that stayed on Rannoch. Oh my and God. legions from the ones that stayed on Rannoch. Uh, and it's just... I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say they're like the Borg, uh, because there's not like a lot of assimilation that happens. Yeah. Right? They're, they're like the Borg in the sense that they're a hive mind. And this, like, the framing of that idea of a machine hive mind is that it's bad... Um, because that's just where sci-fi writers were in like the early the early two thousands. Yeah, when this game was being made, what two thousand five was development. Yeah, like Mass Effect One started in like five, started production and or like pre-production like five, and I think came out in like seven. Yeah. All right. Let me get into some of these details. Um. Sounds like this is mostly so it's spring 2021 and it's like an Xbox One PS4 release that is going to have forward compatibility with Series X and PlayStation 5. Yeah, so they're going to target enhancements on the next generation. So this is being the engine sort of. is more of like an Xbox One PS4 game. Yeah, so this kind is going to come out on the yeah. consoles. Yeah. 
this is being made for the current generation of consoles. Um, yeah. Kind of a bummer. It'd be nice if it was like just a regular PS5 X Series S game since we're in that generation. I think those consoles are close enough to being out. But this has probably been... Yeah. Maybe it got is... delayed because of COVID or it had just something they'd been working on already. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Like previous reports on this had been like, um, like this is taking longer than they thought it would because they want to update Mass Effect 1's combat uh, to sort of be more player friendly, which like, mm, I mean, if you fix some AI behaviors in Mass Effect 1's combat, I think that's really all you need to do. Yeah. Um, because I don't think like the combat in two or three is much to write home about since it was just aping Gears of War in a real way. Um, I think the combat in two and three is only slightly better. I just think the yeah. cover systems are better in two and three. Yeah. Um, the shooting, you know, eh, it's all right. But thankfully, if you just want to play regular Mass Effect One, the PC like Steam versions will still be there in addition to like this legendary. Edition, unless they like delist the old versions, who knows? Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say this is probably going to be an appealing way for people to play Mass Effect uh, in the future, since no port of like no version of Mass Effect that's on PC, to my knowledge, has like native controller support. Hmm. Um, going through these games in like July, I had to spend like a day before like I started playing each of these games to download a series of mods for like controller support and uh graphics improvements. Yeah. Let me see. I'm curious. I think that Mass Effect trilogy is just backwards compatible on the Xbox One. So that's I guess the other route for people. I was gonna look up a list, but it's okay. The the interesting part is like they're probably updating Mass Effect One a little bit, and they're keeping two and three the same. I don't think it's going to be like a complete engine rework like Spyro or Crash was. It'll probably be like making it four K, maybe sixty frames per second. Um, yeah, we'll I see when they talk more be... about it. They just kind of announced it, gave us some details, and. They'll talk about it more when it's closer to completion. You see this poster on the the Bioware website? It's just like blue on the left, red on the right. One of those very yeah. It's the Paragon Renegade uh, colors. Paragon Renegade. There we go. I was trying to. Th I was thinking about it as you know when they do the orange blue on movie posters because they're like really dynamic. Yeah. Like no, that's every movie. In a couple years, we're doing that. Yeah, this is like meant to evoke like the whole like oh the good guy choices and the bad boy choices. I wish uh, I knew what voice that was, Austin. I wish I did too. I think it's like a really bad like Kermit the Frog impression is what I'm gonna say. Ah, it sounds like a Russian Kermit the Frog. But yeah, check out these orange blue contrast for TV tropes. No, get this fucking TV tropes bullshit out of my out of my <laughs> face. I can't tell if my Chrome just locked up because of that. I think I guess I deserve this for sending that. Even I hit the museum. Yeah, yeah, but this is like their legendary edition posters, just like trying to evoke like the whole like Paragon Renegade thing. Yeah, that's a whole thing in those games, and I don't know makes makes them worse in my it, opinion. I wish there was some gray in the middle. You should have three choices, Austin. Instead well, of you, two. 
you do like that's the thing in most instances in mass effect you have like the choice that's going to get you more paragon points the choice that's going to get you the renegade points and you have like the middle choice but the thing is is they rework the paragon renegade system in two and three to the point where that choice is not going to get you good enough like points in either uh field so you're not going to have like the amount of paragon or renegade points that you need to like be able to unlock uh specific conversations later in the game yeah and most of those like um what i'll say is like checks for your paragon or renegade are only unlocked in those situations and that usually lets you bypass stuff in your speech checks whereas like if you're just neutral you're it's gonna be much harder for you to do stuff well it helps you like it's it's more than that like it basically you need to have enough hair like by the end of mass Effect 2 you need to have like a lot of paragon or a lot of renegade points or people are going to die oh yeah and the final mission of yeah in the final mission i was so angry when i was playing that because i didn't set it up right and i was like i don't want to play this whole game over again legion died right before i got there too the last thing that happened in my Mass Effect 2 game, which is why I never played 3, is I had the loyalty mission for Legion show up, and then the final mission. And if I do the loyalty mission for Legion, something fucked ended up happening in, like, the final mission, and it's just weird. That's my Mass Effect experience, Austin. Let's uh, let's go to Cake Bash. I sent you this link for Cake Bash, Austin. Please do. Let's move on. Did play. you open the link for Cake Bash, Austin? I mean, I see this trailer. What? Look at the. It it looks like those ads where they would put a mo- like um they would draw simple like faces on inanimate objects and they have those black hands moving around. Where they're like three fingers and stuff. Uh, I think this came out in October 14th, but PlayStation like sent me a tra- PlayStation like uploaded a trailer for it like two days ago as like, and I thought this was a new game that was going to come out soon, but it's kind of like something that came out on the 14th. I think it's Steam, Switch, PS4. It's kind of like a Mario Party collection. It's very delightful looking. I don't. I'm not big on sort of bringing. Right, but Austin, let life. me tell you about bug snacks. Though, I, I eat where food. You, can you know, eat the food and become a Cronenberg monster. You know, he's done reviews for reviews for bug snacks. Hit like this morning. Yeah. Uh, I have not looked into that. You know, in Cake Bash, you are the food, but in Bug Snacks, you get to eat the food. So that'd probably morally align itself with, like, what kind of food games Austin wants, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, like, the food is still, like, anthropomorphized, right? Like, it's still moving around. It's still alive. It's got eyes. Um, you can pet the food in Bug Snacks, and... Man, that's not going to make me feel all right when I'm like petting food and I'm like, okay, now eat this burger cow. Um, So that way I can see what it's going to do to your body. Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's all right. People eat animals anyway. They're already anthropomorphized. Maybe. It's got an eight on IGN. You know, 
our tr- our most trusted reviews website, IGN, Games Radar. Yeah, the, I guess the reviews are coming out for Bug Snacks. That's cool. Can feel repetitive, disappointing load times on PS5 are the cons, but everything else seems cool. You know, kind of what everyone has been talking about it. Weird, cool story, lovable characters, enduringly bizarre. I'll probably just buy that on PS4. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Oh, next week. Destiny 2 comes out tomorrow, Austin. I'm so ready. Destiny 2 comes out again, apparently. Uh, yes. Much like the WoW expansions, we got yeah. a Destiny 2 Beyond Light expansion. Uh, it drops tonight at, like, 3 a.m. Central Time. I don't remember what it is for other time zones. But, um, God, I'm going to play, like, 12 hours out of on the first day, Austin. Well, that's good. That's I'm, I'm glad you can. I'm glad Destiny's coming back for you. Get some hot, you know. Get your hobby gaming in. Yeah. It's like, hey, what if The Witcher Three had a new DLC once a year, Austin? That Lord, no. That wouldn't make you happy, Austin. No, that, Austin, no. Nothing makes you happy anymore. I can't imagine like being excited about CD Projekt like. Releasing like yearly expansions for The Witcher Three. Yeah, uh, it's okay. They'll they'll crunch for like the last three months of every expansion. You know, that's yeah, what they I'm, do. Well, I mean, it's just like I, I don't know. I think The Witcher Three is like a fine place to end that game series. I really hope the next Witcher game they're making isn't The Witcher Four, and like you play a series this time. I'd rather just leave that batch of characters alone. Yeah. How about what if I what if it was The Witcher colon um Siri? And there's just not even a number. What's Siri's last name? I'm just making a Miles no. Morales joke here. I'm I'm not I'm not I I am not gonna say her last name. It's okay. Um, um uh, partially so because best... I, I know pieces Sorry. of it. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean. It's okay. It'll uh, with the power of the SSD, you can play a Siri in two seconds. You know. Well, the thing is, like, On we don't need to get 5. into the Witcher Three's endings right now. We don't need to do this. I don't know any of the endings for the Witcher Three. You, we don't have to get into this. It's fine. But uh, well, okay. All... Yeah. Just go, so let's we, go. So, so in Destiny, though. Uh, Beyond Light, Europa, and Beyond Light, we're getting Europa as like. One of the play spaces, and then we're going back to the Cosmodrome, which is kind of like the Russian part of Earth. It's like on Earth, and it's basically in Russia, and it's like dilapid, like a de- decaying Russia, I guess. So way to explain it. Yeah, like a de- like a dilapidated like Russian like uh, sort of space complex, like space. Complex. Like it's, it's the intro. It's the intro area in Destiny One, and like I think you also replay that mission if you make a new character in Destiny Two. Yeah, and they're also stripping out a bunch of the planets that were in base Destiny Two. So they're getting rid of the Cosmodrome, Mars, Venus. They say we we're going back to the Cosmodrome. Oh shit! Okay, give me a second. <laughs> okay, Europa's an ice planet. And there's snow. Let me look at... I. Yeah, so we're going back to the Cosmodrome. Sorry, I was listing off Destiny 1 planet. Because the Destiny 2 moons are so... Um, 
memorable. Um, they are getting rid of Titan. They are getting rid of Nessus, and they're getting rid of the third one, which I can't think of right now. Yes, they're basically getting rid of like the base campaign in Destiny too. Yeah, and then they're getting rid of Mars and Mercury as well. And they're getting rid of Io. There we go. So they're getting rid of the base stuff so they can make the install size smaller. And I think they're going to make a different campaign for people who have the free-to-play version. Because they're basically getting rid of the Destiny 2 campaign and play spaces. And I think it's going to be a different... Because on Destiny 2, it's the European Dead Zone this time instead of the Cosmodrome. So they're going to bring the Cosmodrome back for the Earth location, and they're getting rid of the European Dead Zone for Earth. Just because I think Destiny sits at like around 120 gigs as of the expansion, and the new expansion itself is like 60 gigabytes. So it's a it's a decent sized game. I think it's going to be bigger than the last two expansions that were of the same size, like Forsaken and Taken King. Yeah. Which are the big expansions, whereas like Shadowkeep and the Rise of Iron, which were the other $40 expansions, were a little smaller. They're like the in-between expansions between the, what I would call New Light, or this um, Beyond Light is closer to like a Destiny 3 than any of the other ones, because Activision at some point split with Bungie while they were making De Destiny Sh Shadowkeep last year, in 2019. So if they were still with Activision, we would have gotten Destiny 3 either this year or next year. So I think they probably trimmed some stuff out and made Beyond Light. Which, I don't know. I The way I play Destiny is the expansion comes out, I'll play the expansion. I'll do some grinding for a month or two, and then I'll hop off and play something else. It's my, my, once a, it's my September Destiny, which is November this year, because... COVID pushed it, but it should be cool. I hope the I hope the the pew pews and the space magic is is what you want it to be. Because like that, they've some people have published impressions of like the new stasis powers, and they seem pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a uh, ice space magic. You can kind of freeze people, and it's more. There's this thing and concept in Destiny where you're following the light because there is a giant orb called the Traveler that showed up and. Gave everyone powers, and he's the light. Well, yep. now as a guardian, or the player character, I'm using the darkness to get my powers now. Oh, the ice stuff comes out. I know, crazy. Turning away from the light. Oh no. Uh -huh. So one of the characters' quotes are like, "We we use the power of the light from the traveler to defeat our enemies, but what if we used the darkness as well to help us?" Maybe it'll corrupt us. Who knows? It don't, you know. Maybe What's this will be infinite power infinitely corrupts or something. Sure. That's not a quote. I'm just it's like, close enough. It's close enough to a quote that someone probably said. But it looks really cool. I Europa is like a big snow planet, and anything that does like a snow environment gets me hype. Like, uh, hanging out in the snow in Red Dead, very fun. You could see your footprints. Probably not going to be like that in here, but... Oh, is that supposed to be fun? What? 
Red Dead Redemption 2 or Walking yeah. Out of Snow? Was that section of Red Dead Redemption 2 supposed to be fun? I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty. It wasn't fun to play, but it was like an experience. As most things are. As most things are. I enjoyed the experience. I don't know if I had fun doing it, but um, they're bringing back the stranger, the lady who said, I don't have enough time to explain why I don't have enough time to explain the story yeah. of Destiny 1. And then they made a meme weapon called No Time to Explain. And that's going to be free when you pre-order it. You just get They just give you primary exotics. It's like a pulse rifle. It's just a battle rifle, but it has... You can chain it for... Like, ammo. Yeah. I remember that gun. I think it's the same gun you got like at the end of the first Destiny campaign. Correct. And I think it was a, it was a legendary at the end of the original campaign. It was called something different. Same model, though. I don't know. It'll be cool. I'm, I'm curious what the reviews... I mean, I bought it for $40. That's how much it is. You get a free season, which gives you the battle pass for free when you buy it. So you're getting both tiers of your battle pass. And then on Game Pass, on Xbox Series S and One S, um, and One X, it's when you pay for Game Pass for... It's Game Pass Ultimate, because you need online to play it too. You'll just get all the Destiny expansions. So if you're a Game Pass guy person, you can play this already for free. And... I think they were talking about Series S and Series X being day and date. Let me look this up real fast. I didn't have this in my show notes, but I forgot that it was coming up. It is a launch title, yeah. It's just a Series X launch title. As it turns out, Bungie's still a Microsoft launch title. Got him, Austin. You see? So this is actually a Paul Tassi headline from Forbes. Even when you can get away, you can't get away. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great deal to have Destiny on Game Pass. I mean, it seems like it's only like console Game Pass, so mm-hmm. uh, it's still like a good thing. I I won't be like messing around with it. Yeah. Um, if it gets if it's like a 10 out of 10, Austin, do you think you'll pick it up? If it's like, this is the best Destiny ever... And it's no. amazing. Right. Because, like, everyone like everyone said that about the Taken King. Everyone said the Taken King fixed Destiny. And then I played the Taken King. I was like, it's more. Yeah. I don't think this fixes any problem I had with Destiny. But I can shoot more things, which I guess is what people wanted. Yeah. I think for me, it's like the mission structure of Destiny needs to be, like, the missions need to be longer. More like a Halo mission to fix some problems some of the missions are really short in destiny so we went back and played destiny 2 but we didn't play the strikes because the strikes are we're just not in the campaign and those are like the good missions is what i would call it because there's always a boss at the end and they feel they're longer usually and they're it's more they're more complex you know what a strike is yeah i played a few yeah i wouldn't anyway, call them the good missions but yeah, I think they're the good missions. But you play them so much that they're just like... I Bought to memory. Alright, I'm going to move on from the Destiny stuff. Um, today, they announced the... Um, this is a poll I just got. It's the Dark Pictures Anthology. 
has their new um, part of their set of games. It's called House of Ashes. It's coming next year. Do you ever play the? Have you played any of the Dark Anthology, Dark Pictures Anthology stuff? No, I've I've thought about it because, like, I think Until Dawn was pretty great. Like, this is the same company that made Until Dawn. Yeah, super massive um, games. Yeah, the the first one of these that came out seemed fine. The Man of Medan mm-hmm. seemed okay, but like it wasn't particularly interesting like to me especially because like they do a, a lot of what makes it interesting is that there is like a a weird co-op element to it yeah i was uh, just about to say that yeah it's so, like the co-op element seems pretty like seems pretty cool pretty fleshed out specifically in online more so than like uh couch co-op which is not necessarily the way i want to play that game like if i'm gonna play the dark dark pictures anthology i want to like invite friends over uh this is of course before covid uh like i want to invite friends i want to invite friends over and like have them sit like we have us just sit on the couch and just pass the controller around each chapter because that's what we did with uh until dawn and it was cool as hell yeah i did that with until dawn but one of my friends was just like not having a good time and we just stopped playing but um i i know the dark and pictures anthology stuff is like the multiplayer stuff is more robust than until dawn or until dawn when we were playing we were we were all picking who we wanted the survive our survivor to live yeah whereas like man of Medan has like built in they kind of gamify the multiplayer to kind of have some fun stuff come because if it's like you're watching a horror movie with your friends but you get to choose the adventure yeah yeah so like they gamify like they actually put multiplayer functionality in there. There's no real multiplayer functionality in Until Dawn. It's just a mode of play uh, that is that makes the game a bit more interesting. And yeah. um, so, like, once you get to Man of Medan, like, they start like including this uh, this multi- an actual multiplayer mode, uh, which I think really really help really help that game out in some unexpected ways. I don't think when reviews for that game came out, I don't think a lot of like reviewers knew mm-hmm. about how like different the co-op experience is online between like couch co-op because I don't remember reading a lot about that um in the like in the pieces that came out like before the game launched, but afterwards I like I saw like a lot of people like talking about like this specific functionality how how much that made Man of Madon more enjoyable. I don't know uh, much about the one that came out afterwards, uh, Little Hope. Yeah. So, it's probably a cool game to watch on Twitch. I'm looking on Amazon right now. They're usually $30 when they come out. Um, okay, they have Man of Medan for 30 I think Little Pictures starts out as 40 I have two. I have, I have a listing for 40 and a listing for 30 so I actually have no idea. But um, I'm curious if they put together like a Game of the Year edition or like a complete edition of the Dark Pictures anthology, or if this is just something they're gonna do. Do these do these come out once a year, or do they take? Are they like every six months? I let me look on Wikipedia. That's a question I don't necessarily have. The they're probably they they probably come out during Halloween. Yeah, Little Hope was released on October thirtieth, twenty twenty, and Man of Medan was twenty nineteen in August. 
So probably every Halloween, you know, they're doing what like movie studios do is they make their horror game and they put it out around Halloween. Because I love the good spooky times. And they're really good games. They look pretty too. The facial capture, very cool. Yeah, they seem slightly better than what they had working they were working with in uh, Until Dawn. So yeah, Let's see a little. I think they come out as forty dollars. Let me check what GameStop says real fast. Um, we got this other thing. We we have a bunch of the PS Five, Xbox coverage was kind of coming out where people were able to talk about the console UI more and how games ran and how loading speed was. Um, right before I get to that, though, they I do think they come out at $30 for the Dark Pictures stuff, which is, hey, that's the price of, like, three movie tickets. Or, I don't know, Netflix for three months. What's Who goes to movies anymore, Austin? Um, idiots? Yeah. Given the current circumstance, that's okay. Uh, but um, all right. I want to get into this PS5 stuff. Um, so the first thing I got up is the launch day ordering. A lot of places like Best Buy and I think GameStop and Walmart were talking about it. Is you'll like take an online order for your console, you'll buy it online, and then you'll create a date with the website. And you'll go pick it up in store, and they're not going to have it on shelves until, like, Best Buy is not going to have it on shelves until October, until 2021, not October. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of places like Target, uh, Best Buy, and such, we uh, you're going to go onto the website is where all this is being handled. So you'll make your pre-orders there and then you'll have to make an appointment at the store and like you'll either be able to do contactless uh like you'll walk in the store to do store pickup or you'll do um like pick up from your car sort of thing which for covid is a good idea you don't need like the launch day lines that we've seen being like yeah. a thrill which i never did those they always seem cool they're i know people use them as advertising where like bill gates would hand the copy of halo and xbox 360 to the first guy in line or whatever yeah people are into that stuff it's it's a neat thing that i wasn't really my generation of gaming i usually picked up consoles like six months after or when they were like a ps2 slim type thing i i don't think i've ever gone to like a launch event for a game. I have definitely gotten games the day they came out, but I've never gone to any sort of event for like a console launch or a uh, or a game launch. I think the closest I ever came to was uh, when Spider Man came out. Mm-hmm. But I had like a friend, a friend and I were like, okay, we're gonna go to Best Buy. We're just gonna go pick up our copies of the game. Uh, but like I had to work late later than I thought I was going to have to, uh, so we didn't go until like six. Yeah, I definitely did some midnight launches or some like they were doing ten p.m. launches for a while because it, I guess, you know, better for the employees. Don't make people stay at midnight to sell a bunch of people a game. But um, the closest thing I got, I th- I definitely got 
when Destiny came out on PS4, it was like a year after the PS4 launch, and they had a white console, and I think I ordered it from Amazon, or I picked it up from GameStop. But you got the white console, and it had the game in it, and I th think that's the closest I had to, like, not launch day, but, like, picking something up, like, day and date for a game, pretty much. And then, I don't know, I think that was me buying my own consoles. I think for Christmas, I got a PS2 at launch with Kingdom Hearts. And that started this whole thing, Austin. Kingdom Hearts, power of friendship and Keyblades, and unlocking your true feelings, Austin. That's not what Kingdom Hearts is all about, but maybe it is. All right. You lost me. It's okay. Just like Kingdom Hearts loses a lot of people, Austin, I lost you as well. You see the comparisons there? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, all right. Uh, so some PS5 stuff. Uh, what have you watched any coverage of the PS5? Do you, what are your like? Yeah, I. What are you like, been hearing people talk about it? Since obviously neither of us have a PS5 or an Xbox One S, we're not doing coverage of it but we can definitely talk about like what's been going on with them from like a secondhand experience yeah so i've mostly been watching like some uh like giant bomb like did a video on like the ui of the ps5 uh a couple of outlets are publishing uh like load time comparisons yes from games like that were ported from the ps4 to the ps5 and, like, I don't know, it seems kind of messy, all things considered. Like, it doesn't seem bad by any means. I think everything I've seen from the PS5 is, like, it's, rel relatively speaking, it's working as advertised. Load times are pretty short. The games where work has been put in to optimize them for this uh, new console generation, they look better. Um but like Bloodborne still runs at 30 frames, so I don't know why. Um, that's sort of sort of what I'm seeing. Um, unless it's on like the the PS5, like uh, PlayStation Plus collection that got ported onto the PS5. Um, All right, so yeah, let's start at. Um, a lot of it's not that interesting to me. Let's start with the PS5. The um, they were getting into some load times with the backwards compatible PS4 stuff, and in comparing the load times, Red Dead Two loads the same on the Series X and the PS5. Uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen is faster on the Series X at forty eight seconds, whereas PS5 is a minute. Destiny Two is about the same; it's fifty seconds on PS5, whereas like. On current gen, I think it's closer to like two minutes. Um, Monster Hunter World is 35 seconds on a Series X, whereas a PS5 is 51 seconds. And I know Monster Hunter got a lot of flack because the load times were just. Sometimes it would take a while to set up like a hunt in those games. And I think the other PS5 stuff that was coming out was how the. Okay, so the PS5 is a terabyte. And a, roughly 
you can only use 650 gigs of that hard drive because the rest of it is like console, like UI, and a bunch of other data on there. Do you do you know about what some of that stuff is? Did you look into that at all? Well, I mean, a lot of it's just like the OS, right? Like, yeah, you need to use space, and you use a lot of like a pretty large amount of space. Uh, to either is either reserved for like future OS improvements and updates, or like just for its already on the console. And it seems like uh, it seems like this is launching. Like it, the PS Five is launching with a lot like on it. Yeah, is the thing. Like Astro Boy. Yep. Yeah, we got that Astro Boy. We'll get to that in a sec, but yeah, no, the, um, and you also need to like, and I imagine like some of that's also going to be taken up by like the controller functionality, right? Is like the PS5 being able to recognize the, the, uh, adaptive triggers of like the dual sense and the, the four, what I'll call now is 4k rumble instead of HD rumble. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I hear the, uh, Cloud storage stuff is a little differently. Like you, when you're setting up your cloud storage, you can't individually select stuff to download. I think you have to on the PS4 when you would press the options button and go into a game setting, you could upload or download your save from there. But now you have to go a couple menus in to mess with your cloud storage stuff, and then. Oh, there's something about the hard drives, but I can't remember. All right, awesome. What what about, about the PS5 not like supporting external game storage right now? I think you, it, you can do it, but it's a little weird. I guess it's cold storage. I don't know. I... I thought I, when I was watching some Giant Bomb stuff, they were talking about how they had external storage, but this article says something about cold storage. I don't know. Let me skip that. I don't know too much about it. Um, and let me think about any of the Series S and Series X stuff that was coming out that was different. Yeah, so you can only use an external drive to, like, move files. You cannot, like, actively use an external drive to, like, store PS5 games. Interesting. Some weird stuff. I don't know. SSDs are expensive, and I know at least for the PS4, it's pretty easy to swap that drive. I don't think anyone's messing around with trying to swap SSDs yet. And even getting, like, I would want, like, a 2 terabyte SSD for the PS5. Because that's what I have in my PS4. And $300, which, if you think about your console, it's $500 with 1 terabyte. And you're going to need expansion stuff. So those consoles, are they're kind of coming out with the bare minimum storage. Whereas, like, we saw with, like, the PS3 and the PS4s, they had bigger storage and i think the consoles were a little more expensive for that or they were like the ps4s 
wasn't as strong as it could be at the time compared to PCs, but it gave you enough space to kind of do stuff. And games were a lot smaller back then, too. Well, like, the PS4 launched with 500 gigs. Yeah. And at the um, time, that, that was just fine, because games were usually 20 gigabytes. Yeah, but no, right? Like, it was that way. It was, like, good for a year. And then after, like, the first year of it, we get things like Destiny, which are like become, like, start at, like, 30. That's true. And, and then things like, you know, your Call of Duties became much bigger. Your Titanfall 2. I remember Titanfall 2 launching with, like, 40-some-odd gigs. And I think Call Titanfall 2 is, like, 80 now when I was looking at my hard drive. So, <sighs> expansion's the place, you know, where the money is going to go into. You're going to see people, like, you're... The type of users you can have, you're going to have people who are deleting a lot of games off their hard drive, which does happen. Or you're going to expand it with, like, Xbox has those one terabyte Seagate. Are they Seagate? They're not Seagate. Seagate's a brand. Yeah. With their memory cards. Uh, It's $200, and it's a... Yeah, it's a Seagate officially licensed memory card so that's probably the hidden cost of the consoles i would say for people who are going to get into expansion like that do you have any other thoughts on that kind of coverage that we've been seeing um just that like the xbox like series x like still like, if it had a better launch lineup, I would probably say the Series X is the best bet here still, because, like, everything I'm looking at for the PS5 as far as, like, backwards compatibility and, like, console, like, features, like, it just feels, it feels, like, needlessly, just, like, a tad bit more complicated than it should be. Yeah, like some of the saves aren't going to transfer over at launch. I think it's more like on a, on a game by game basis. Yeah. Where like, if the game has built in transfer save, then you can probably pick up your save from it. Whereas Xbox, everything just kind of works more similarly because they've put a lot of work into their backwards compatibility. Yeah, because everything's like fundamentally using, to my understanding, fundamentally the series, Xbox Series X and S are like using very similar architecture to. Uh, the Xbox One. Which Sony had their cell processor for the PS3, so that makes it harder for them to get into that catalog. Which they only really do with like cloud streaming on PS Now, or like re-releasing it on PS4. Yeah, and I don't even mean like to PS3 games. I mean like more yeah. like even PS4. people are reporting like weird emulation, like emulation like glitches with like games that were not uh have not yet been updated to take advantage of the ps5's uh new hardware yeah let me see miles morales is the one of the ps5 launches also on ps4 godfall is coming out on both astrobot's playroom is ps4 and then assassin's creed valhalla is Coming out to Series X, but it's coming to PS5 later, right? No, yeah, because PS5 launches two days after the Series X. Oh, is it just coming out on PS5 the week after? 
It's coming I thought out they said it was going to be longer for some. Maybe I'm thinking about a different game. But um, oh, I'm thinking about Watch Dogs Legion. I or maybe I'm not. <laughs> maybe I think I, I'll have to look at some Amazon listings in a second for them. But that stuff seems cool. Did you? While we're on Valhalla, did you see any of the coverage talking about? There was some stuff coming out about the open world where it's a lot closer to like the side missions are more like puzzle stuff all of breath of the wild instead of like ubisoft's normal side mission stuff which is just like hey go from here to here go do something yeah so my understanding is that a lot of skill upgrades in valhalla are tied to are tied to like side missions and exploration quests right not so much of like you don't level up like you did in odyssey and origins yeah. So a lot of what you're doing is like if you want a new skill, you have to like go into the world and find it. As opposed to just like killing people until you get your level up so you can spend a skill point in going into some ridiculously overly complex uh, level up tree. Yeah, which is cool. I'm glad they're doing something different with the Assassin's Creed open world. I don't think it's a game for me but um it's exciting for people who are into it hey maybe hey, if it reviews i i have a hard time playing either fantasy or like games that take place in uh what would you what kind of era would you call it it's like pre-modern times do you know the word i'm looking for austin I mean that's pre-modern is a real like real wide brush there. Yeah, like Tsushima for example. I was like, oh, you know, I I like I like first-person shooters and third-person shooters. Awesome. That's all I'm trying to say. It's like like Fallout or Skyrim. I usually play Fallout more. That's what I mean. Mm. Ah, real real man of the gun, you say? Huh? There's something about like. You, I think a gun translates to like an FPS more to where I'm interacting with my enemies instead of like doing combos with like a hack and slash. To where I feel more engaged with like a shooter or like something yeah, and like Watch Dogs. Yeah, that's not like unfair, you know? Yeah. Like, game controllers have definitely been developed in a way to make shooting a gun feel good. Yeah. Like, that's why that's why we call them triggers, you yeah, know? That's true. Oh, yeah, here's more about the Valhalla. Here's a quote from Jason Schreier on Twitter. He's played about 25 hours, and he was saying, the world is full of little puzzles and mysteries. That reminds him of Breath of the Wild. Uh, and they cover their maps with gold, white, and blue dots. The gold and white dots are treasures that you need to solve environmental puzzles, while the blue dots are weird encounters, like kind of like the mysterious stranger stuff from Red Dead or GTA. And then little fun moments that are a fun little checklist. So that's cool. You know, I'm glad they're doing something different for open world. Maybe we'll see it 
kind of that kind of open world move over into more open world games that are come out soon. Because I like the open world genre. I think exploring spaces can sometimes be more fun than like a linear story. Depends what you're wanting to do. Yeah, I mean we're like we are at the point I think finally where like we're like we we already started to see like Breath of the Wild impact in like smaller games, but like now we're at the point in time where like games with like you know multi million dollar productions are going to be uh, coming out in in a time frame where they can actually start taking advantage of uh, the lessons that we learned from Breath of the Wild. All right. All right. I'm going to move on to some PS5. The other PS5 thing I had was Sony was talking about two of its franchises, about kind of what date they're thinking they're going to come out. The Horizon Zero Dawn sequel, Horizon Forbidden West. That's a name. Um, It's coming out the second half of 2021. And then Ratchet and Clank A Rift Apart is confirmed for the first half of 2021 as well. I'm excited for Ratchet. I, mm, you know, I'd probably pick up a PS5 to play Ratchet and Clank. I, I have, I've played all of those games. That's like, got my PS2. I'm a Ratchet and Clank fan. I play the Jack and Daxters every now and then. I love Insomniac. They make cool games. Yeah, I mean, I played the last Ratchet and Clank. It was good enough. I didn't think that considered. one. Actually. Uh, it, you know, it's fun. Yeah. I think you'd probably like it. I like the first game, you know? I def- I played the first game. It's yeah, my... the last one's a remake of the first game, 2016. Ratchet yeah, Clank. 2016 one is pretty much a remake of the first one. I think it was only $40 as well. And, it came and out they had that movie. movie. It was really bad. <laughs> the movie was yeah. really bad. I, uh, oh, I didn't go to theaters to go see it. I, uh... I think wow. I got off of Am- it was all right. It, Are you even a real fan? No, I'm not, I guess. It How could you? It's just hard like they tried to do it in 2 hours and they just the jokes are bad. That's that's how I'll say it. It's not yeah. like I want that Pixar quality and they got to put a little more money in to get that It was so it was close enough like the graphics are really good like the animation of the movie was really good, but like you're you're just missing that little that little peanut on top. I don't even know what a peanut on top is, Austin, but that little I, what in the hell Pixar are you talking charm. about now? I'm trying to think of like the genesis it's a cherry on top. It's a cherry on top. Ch- cherry on top is 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 something. Yeah, is a yeah. well a well enough known metaphor. But like, are you like? So essentially, like, yeah, so like you're looking for the je ne sais quoi. What? Never mind. We can just, no. You know, I know that's a French saying, but I have no idea what it means. It's that, like, my understanding is it's like that special, what makes it special, yeah. you know? And I would say maybe it's the structure. I like, I think Pixar movies have a really good three act structure, and they usually, the ones, the good ones, you know, the ones I can think of that are like, you know, Toy Story and, um, was the robot one? Little cute robot. Little Wally. My brain is an endless um, 
cycle of not remembering things. And I'm just going to ask you, Austin, your mic. Yeah, Wally is a Pixar movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> that came out. And um, people watched it. Man, you know what is also coming out? Austin is Demon Souls. God. There's uh, 12 minutes of gameplay, and they were talking about the UI a little bit. Yeah, I have some thoughts. What's up? I haven't looked at it yet. I don't like it. I I've there's just I'm on this Demon Souls article and they're just talking about load times on here. Yeah, so like all the technical stuff seems really cool. Like the load times seem really cool. Um but like I'm looking at this like Demon Souls like state of play video and the character they're showing off in this character creator looks hot. That's not allowed. Oh. This is a from game. Can you send me that link real fast? I um I think GameStop posted the wrong video on their website. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Like so it opens with like a, a quick peek into character creator. And like there's some cool stuff happening. Like um like I don't think you select like a gender, you select like a body type is what I'm seeing here in like body type like A and type B is like one of them's more masculine, the other you know, air quote masculine, the other one a bit more feminine. Um, but then like they're going into this and it's, I don't know, these look like people. I can recognize these people. And And not like the weird janky, like animations of us from game. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't like it. I could, I could imagine seeing someone who kind of looks like these people in a grocery store instead of like the monsters I love making in from games where like, I make the cheeks so like wide it go through the helmets, you know. The Discord link you sent me just opened the video. Yeah, that's the video I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. It looks cool. It's definitely a different take from like I was playing Bloodborne a little bit, and we'll get into that when we're talking about games. But like the faces in Bloodborne are just ugly <laughs> yeah they do not look like people they just they don't like, look okay no and i guess demon souls has the work you know they they put the work in the people yeah i don't i don't know why um well it's i do know choice. why it's because yeah it's a choice maybe it's a it's just, game. yeah i don't this dragon don't looks like pretty it. cool though he's got a and bunch of we, in his mouth yeah and then once they get into like the ui of the game i think this ui looks really bad it's it's just really clean and simple, but I think it misses the charm that like the Dark Souls and Demon Souls U- UI is. Yeah, like there's so much less like there's so much less style going into this UI, and it's a real bummer. It looks more like a video game. I would say a generic video game UI. Where I'm looking at the original Demon Souls UI, and it's just like, you know. I, I like the I like the health bars from the original Demon Souls. I I I beat Demon Souls and did the uh, no. This is just the remake UI. They they changed the did they change the UI from the trailer? I think they changed the UI. Austin, look at this other trailer. The UI is completely different. Yeah, I mean this is a from September is not an official video really yeah this is not this is this is from a completely different this isn't even from like the sony youtube channel this is definitely someone pasting demon souls ui onto 
onto a video. Then I'm crazy. Let's just go with that. Yeah, like this I looked is... at this video and it was like, it was the gameplay from that announcement. I was like, oh yeah, this is probably the same thing. Right? Yeah, it's the same gameplay. Someone just pasted the UI onto it. That's a good joke. I jumped to conclusions there, Austin. You see what I did? Yeah. Um. Like I don't know. I just I don't like what they're doing here with this like, like updated st- UI. This is. I feel like this is just. This reminds me of Lords of the Fallen in like its aesthetic. <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of bland. That was like a bland, bad one of these. Yeah. Although I like how they have the meters on like the sword and shield. I think that I don't know what those meters are. There's just like a red well, bar. Like durability. What the weapons didn't have durability in the original yeah, they... Demon Souls. Oh yes, they did actually. You yeah, had to repair did. them. That's right. Yeah. Was that a Dark Souls thing too? I'm yeah, they had Dark Souls thing. So, like in Dark Souls, you also have durability, but there's no bar, right? They don't put a bar for weapon durability until Dark Souls Three. Well, I think that that's definitely a good ad. I just like look at the top right, your Souls Manor. It's just it looks like a looks like an app icon on like my phone. A little swirl instead of the nice. It's missing the like gothic like setting ui that they put in that first game so i'll i'll just sit here and i'll agree with you austin it sucks i hope they do some i hope there's probably people talking about this too maybe they'll change it in a patch later on who knows yeah i doubt it like this is blue point <laughs> right like blue point game out we can never i'm not gonna like give blue point much credit when it comes to like conversations about like preserving aesthetics in anything um because they just seem to be going like upping games to the point where instead of like chasing the aesthetics of their what was made within their original constraints they are chasing like you know the uh making them look as nice as they can right they did the same thing with like shadow of the colossus and like you know it's whatever you were playing that a little gonna, the other day, weren't I'm you? I'm still gonna, yeah, like I'm still gonna play Shadow of the Colossus. Like I still kind of return to that game every so often. It's like, what if I just murdered a giant bird, right? Like, have you beat that yet? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, like cool. Shadow of the Colossus, like the remake for PS4, is still a good game. The Demon Souls remake is still probably gonna own. Um, I will say that were... Shadow of the Colossus used to be like my hobby game in like middle school, where I'd come home, I after you beat that game. I would come home and do those time challenges and try and unlock everything and then rebeat it on hard and go explore the open world. I still haven't touched the PS4 version. I I should just get in there, shouldn't I, Austin? It's, I mean, yeah, all things considered, it's good. I think it's just as frustrating as Shadow of the Colossus was when it came out. Yeah, That's a dedicated like. grab button on the controller. It's a cool idea. Some of the stuff is weird. The jumping is weird. Well, yeah, it's just like how that, how you grabbing interacts with like your ability to jump and stuff. Like I remember being stuck on the final colossus of the game for far too long because. Oh, he's a he's a pain in the ass. I sat there until I beat that fucker, Austin. That the last boss of Shadow Colossus is literally a giant maze that's put onto an enemy because he's like a giant tower that you have to climb up. For people who Um, don't know what it is. One thing to note about the Demon Souls 
remake is that they are not like this is something that was speculated at when they first announced the uh, announced the remake of Demon's, Demon Souls uh, is that they would add in the sixth Arcstone, which was unfinished in the original release. That's not happening. Hmm. Bummer. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a sixth Arcstone. Well, it's just because that's like, one there's... of the worlds, right? There's the five worlds. Yeah. Okay. I think you can see it in the Nexus, but there's nothing like you can't interact with it at all. The Nexus music. Uh, I just Maybe got a wave of nostalgia, Austin. Well, I haven't thought about the Nexus in years, Austin. Yeah, no, the Nexus. I'm liking what I see of the Nexus, like the Touch all things considered. The demon inside of me, Austin. Like I like, I do like what that's playing at with like. Uh, it's kind of like your Firelink Shrine, but it's also a prison, right? Yeah. Which is, I think, a dope. Which I think is a dope feel if they can pretty good communicate that right. Speaking of prisons, Tower of Latria. If you want to get into a horror game, just play all of Tower of Latria and Demon Souls. Mind flares murdering you in one hit, and trying to yeah. get up to the top of this tower. You're just stuck in the prison at the bottom. You're like, hey, get to the top. You'll figure it out. I had no idea there were like mind flares in Demon Souls until like this remake. Yeah, was not I just saw one of those. And I was thought I like I think it's Buck Wild. You're like you see them. They have their green lantern. You see them into the distance. Like what the fuck is that? So you go up to it to like interact with, it, and they'll just suck your brains out. Yeah, they just grab you and one hit kill you. So you're just tensely grabbing your controller, watching these mind flares, so you can get like a stealth kill on them backstab that does more damage and then just wail on them hoping yeah. there's not two mind flares that also notice it who run after you jesus i, I don't think this D ass enemy yeah in this game is like you know it's not what i wanted but i'm not angry about it you know like yeah demon souls definitely has some of they kind of pull from everything in that first demon souls there's a little bit of like enemies from different types of like D enemies or like other fantasy enemies like the gargoyles weren't in demon souls but they definitely had some like each of the five zones had its own set of like types of enemies you would encounter Ugh, well, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna beat this austin when we you when you get that ps5 i'm also gonna pick it up i'm i want to beat this with you austin yeah that'll happen at some point <sighs> man uh, you don't have. I I know I asked you last time. Do you have your PS3 still? No, I never had a PS3. Okay, you never had a PS3. Would you rather play Demon Souls on PS3 for the first time or on PS5 for the first time? I'm probably. It's probably gonna be PS5. Okay, just checking. Just checking. All right, on to the other news. Um, Codemasters has been making some moves. Not Codemasters. Take Two has been making some moves, buying some companies. They bought up Codemasters. They were in a talks about a possible sale. I think it's close enough to say that it's going to go through. Let me see how much they bought it for. Nearly one billion dollar, and Codemasters kind of does the um. Dirt 3 and Dirt Rally. Oh no, I know people who like those games. <laughs> F1 publisher as well. 
it's interesting that Take Two is picking up a company that makes car games. I'm curious if we're going to see any of that car development into GTA 6 at all, or if they're just going to keep them separate and be like, hey, go make your car games. They sell very well on PC. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be like, okay, we're going to buy Codemasters so we can make vehicles in Grand Theft Auto feel okay. Yeah, feel like the GTA 5's driving was okay. It was arcadier than 4, which I was into. Yeah, but I think this a... is just they Sorry, want the studio. Up? I think this is just they want yeah. the studio because they want to own like a racing franchise. They're just putting some moves out, you know. You got you got Gran Turismo on PS5 and you got the um, Forza being put out by Microsoft. Take Two's just like, hey, we got our racing game too. Take Two's been making some moves. They also bought Ruffian Games, who helped with Crackdown Two and Master Chief Collection. That was about, I think that was two weeks ago. Talked about it a little bit, but they're doing stuff. I think they also want to put out a free-to-play GTA thing. They were talking about uh, getting into the free-to-play stuff. Maybe it'll be GTA or NBA 2K. That wouldn't surprise me. I'm actually, I'm surprised we still don't have like a GTA Online, like free to play version. Yeah, it's because people just already own a copy of GTA. Oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't need to be free to play if you already own a copy of it. (laughs) GTA Five just made absolute gangbusters. Uh, Yeah, PS4, PS5, PS3, every generation. Put a GTA 5 out on the PS2. That's what they're going to do next, Austin. Wait and see. Jokes. Any other thoughts about... Um, I don't play a lot of Dirt games, but it seems neat. No, I think it's... It's a bit... Mm, I don't have anything to really say about, about this purchase. I don't know enough about like Dirt or racing games in general. Or like what policies take two would start like implementing like into these or practices they'd start implementing into these games once they purchase codemasters so i don't know if this is going to like impact uh like what the metagame of dirt is i think we're in sorry keep going but i know people who aren't like stoked about this news yeah i think we're in the arms race of like buying up development studios you have all these big publishers slash companies i you you could call sony and microsoft publishers right yeah i think they're all buying up these properties trying to get they're like doing the mega corporation thing like obviously microsoft itself is a bigger company than sony but sony leads the market in video games so you can see microsoft putting money into their games to help them sell better because they have a bigger like excess of like revenue from their PC stuff and everything else that Microsoft does. So where we can see like what Apple and like uh, Disney are doing, where Disney obviously bought up, you know, Star Wars. I think we're going to see the, a lot of these companies just picking up studios to make themselves bigger to compete with the other ones, which. I don't know. Mega corporations are scary, Austin. I don't. Amazon. We just had the antitrust stuff coming up with like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and do you know who the other one was? No. But you saw that that they were talking to people. 
with that, right? This year. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Don't trust big companies as it turns out. But maybe they'll maybe they'll give you a good deal on some gaming. You know, it the companies that make the most money are the ones that are finding ways to get you to pay a service ten dollars a month instead of like buying a product outright to own. That's why Netflix makes so much money. So I think at some point, if Microsoft takes the lead this generation, Sony is going to get closer to doing that. But they're they're making a lot of money off their $60 games, too. Like, that's not a problem for them. How do you feel, Austin? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, just, it's just how these things go. You know, you get to a point where like you have such you have so few um like publishers and they're going to all own like so much of the games industry. Yeah. Um I think I think like definitely like within like this new generation we're going to see like a uh we're going to see like each publisher like doubling down on certainly like console manufacturers doubling down on like streaming services. I think PS Now is going to by the end of this generation look a lot different than what it is right now definitely Um, and they they have been just putting ps4 games on there like yeah ps now just got like three new games they ps now is a smaller game pass sorry i keep going yeah Yeah, and i mean i don't think like i don't think there's i don't think it's like it's not going to happen you know i think people are going to be like upset if we get to a point where most of the time now you're like paying for licenses to stream games um more than anything like i think there's a lot of convenience to that uh that it, that's going to attract people to like a better ps now service or like the xbox game pass service so they Certainly. added rage 2 and injustice 2 i think there was some other stuff i saw i think like resident evil 7 got added pretty recently yeah there's an f1 game on there yeah that's a november stuff so i guess they're they're doing it like ps plus where every month they'll announce the new games they're putting on it um obviously though when ps5 has well i'm not going to talk about ps5 because nobody's bought them yet but when the sony xbox like market share is three to one where for every three sony consoles there's one xbox is what they're analysts were guessing in some articles I was looking at is that they have more power for people to buy their $60 games or Microsoft solution was to get the people in their like ecosystem to give them a subscription as well. And then it's kind of like a relationship where they like, I get something out of game pass. Like I get to just pay 15 a month or 10 a month to pay these full-priced games where I could normally only buy them full-priced at launch, which that's where I think the good value is. And I think at some point, Sony's will start doing that when the, but only when it benefits them like monetarily. Yeah. It's going to really, it's going to really depend on like the performance of the new Xboxes like coming out of the gate here and tomorrow. Uh, and and even then, uh, it, I think Xbox like has like bigger hurdles in that than like Sony does because you know so much of what you can find on an Xbox you can find on a PC, you know. That's true. 
and Steam still controls like it's still the biggest part of like PC gaming. You know, their sales are unmatched. I think Epic is kind of pulling up because of their deals with game developers and giving them better cuts of like profits when they sell their game on Epic Game Store instead of Steam where we're seeing like Epic exclusives. And then Microsoft is coming up putting their games on Steam. You can get Master Chief Collection on Steam and then PC Game Pass right now is 10 a month. Collection's not as big as Xbox Series S or X. Maybe we'll see it get bigger. And who knows what like Sony's PC plans might be. Because like, you know, they put Horizon out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've I don't think they've said anything else about that though. No. And what was that Death Stranding is are is coming to PC already on I think it's already on PC. Yeah, Death Stranding's on PC, but like yeah, that people are modding that to take out the bad stuff. Not the bad stuff of the game, but the encumbrance. Make it a weirder game. Yeah. But Every character Norman Reedus in that game, see what happens. I never played it. I skipped that one. Yeah, but I think that's like more of like the exclusivity for Death Stranding being up more so than it was like Sony deciding to make this decision. Because I don't think Kojima Productions is a Sony studio. No, but I think Sony helped fund Death Stranding. Yeah, so like there's that like limited exclusivity deal. Mm -hmm. Which we have seen a lot more is instead of a full exclusive, it's a limited. Which is probably why, like, some of those limited exclusivity games that came to Xbox just didn't sell as well, because they didn't have as big of a pool of people to buy them. Like, I think that had one with Tomb Raider, like, where it was only on Xbox, and the Xbox people got it, but, like, you have this vast swath of people on Sony consoles who you're missing out on revenue. I don't know if Microsoft kicked them back money to make it exclusive, but I don't know if that's enough to justify Making it limited time. I don't. Th- I don't think it was enough for Square, all things considered. But they also don't. They have like often have very like I would say outlandish uh, uh, goals for making uh, for profits uh, in those games. Specifically, like with Tomb Raider, we saw the same thing where they thought it was going to sell like well over uh, what it actually did, and it still made money. It just failed to meet that expectation for them. Can you think of any other time exclusive Microsoft games? I, I think, because uh, hmm. I can, I think can think of regular ones like Sunset Overdrive was an exclusive that has like a cult following now that probably sold okay. It, yeah, that's on PC now. Yeah, um, I can't think of besides Halo. Like, Halo's not limited, but yeah, I can't think of like any like recent console exclusive for Microsoft. Most of what we're seeing is like going to Sony because it's like just a much larger yeah. player base. Like the Final Fantasy VII remake was timed for the PlayStation. And, uh, I think Ori is, you know, exclusive. That's it. Yeah, but, I'm trying to think of AAA games that like will move like numbers. Mm. Gonna be here for a bit. Yeah. It's fine. Don't know. Don't know if we really have those. Speaking about like Square making weird deals or Square losing money on stuff, they Square Enix was reporting that they lost sixty-two million from Marvel's Avengers. Yeah. So it, this tweet from David Gibson is kind of saying that they're implying that the game cost over a hundred million to make, but only sold about 
three million copies. Which at sixty dollars is comes out to like uh maybe they only sold three million dollars worth of copies. Cause I don't know, that game came out, didn't have an end game, and didn't advertise like beyond like, hey, you can just play as the Avengers, which I don't know. A lot of people need more than that in their game. Like Spider Man came out and sold so well because they made a good game that's more than a service game. Yeah, like that's I mean it's the thing. Like you look at the presentation of like Spider Man before its release and like that stuff was fantastic. Like they because that game was like being made like specifically for Spider Man's moveset. Yeah. Uh, and it took advantage of that in a real way. And then you have this Avengers game where you're playing as like one of these, like one of this like group of heroes and like no environments are made, like especially for the traversal of any of these people. Like anyone can get to just about any spot on the map. It's really just like, you need the Hulk to bust open big doors, you know, Uh, to my knowledge, like anyone can like move through the map about at the same speed, maybe a bit slower than like Tony Stark because he can just fly. Uh, and so nothing about this looked particularly interesting, uh, especially not like from like the opening level, which is all they showed uh, before like this summer where they started doing like their war uh, war table presentations that just weren't that interesting. Yeah, and I think Square Enix and the developer of this game, they missed the mark. You, I think there was a time before Infinity War came out, or uh, at least Endgame, where the hype for Marvel was real. Endgame came out, put a pin on that kind of 10 years of Marvel stuff. And obviously after Endgame... Oh, what Marvel movies come out after Endgame? They were... It's kind of like COVID hit and they pushed everything back. Yeah, so Endgame was like uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, and Far From Home came out before Endgame, I think. No, it was no, it was post Endgame. Was it? Oh yeah, that, narr- right. that narrative is literally post Endgame. Okay. Oh, but that's right. I'm thinking about the trailers that they're showing because the trailers were coming out before Endgame. People were like, "How does this connect to yeah. Endgame? Is it after?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, it's after." But they kind of missed. Endgame came out. When did Endgame come out? Let's see. I think it was 2019. And this Marvel's game, Marvel Avengers, came out two months ago. The hype is not yeah. there, and obviously people are not. People kind of moved on to other games. Well, the other thing people is, people bought like, it, enjoyed it. These but, are yeah. weird interpret. These are not particularly interesting looking interpretations of these characters, right? Like. People are attached to the Avengers as depicted by Hemsworth, Ruffalo, uh, Evans, Downey, and Johansson, right? Yeah. Um, These are not these people. Their designs are not particularly interesting. Like, seeing Captain America in, like, a tactical vest was real weird. Yeah, that was a weird... um, It's an interpretation, Uh, you know? Yeah, and... But it's not 
the it's not like as gripping as like anything yeah. that we saw in the MCU. Like like if you think about Chris Evans like outfits throughout like the amount of R&D that went into those suits there's so much money and you look at their costume you see oh it's like just not as designed as well I don't think it's different it has to be different cuz obviously the you know the facial capture is different so they're trying to make it their own thing too I think Thor's works pretty well. You know, he's got the standard six circles, and they're they look like they're weird brass circles. Yeah, but like Thor is like relatively easy because you just need like a buff blonde dude with a wicked beard. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the story mode of that game kind of. Ended up being more charming than people thought it was me, but I don't think it made it sold better because it yeah it was been muddled sold on with story. the service stuff, which what? is not going well for them. They're kind of pushing everything back. They're waiting. You know, it's also COVID. There, it's a different. It's a hard time to put it together. Games. Yeah, that's the other thing. I just I think if this game is like a smaller game focused around like Camilla Khan, I think it does better. Yeah. All right, are you ready for the lightning round, Austin? Oh, sure. All right, let's get into the real, the real meat and potatoes of this podcast: is the lightning round. Uh, final patch for Friday the Thirteenth came out. Um, it'll go live November tenth. It sounds like they're kind of sunsetting that game's development. Did you ever play that or like a Dead by Daylight kind of game? Is that your? I played it once um, yeah. when it was free on PlayStation Plus. Uh, some friends and I played it for a bit. I remember having a an okay time as Jason. I remember there, like, I have a clip saved where my friend was taunting me through a door, and I was wearing like the the Jason costume that would just let me burst through locked doors. Uh, and he was noticeably taken aback at my ability to just walk through a locked door. And I just, I like, I have my audio saved on that clip, and I just burst out laughing. And so it's a good memory there. But like playing as the campers, I never, I never got it. Yeah, I didn't play Deadlight Dead by Daylight, but it, I think Dead by Daylight is doing more because you're shackled to Friday the Thirteenth. You're shackled to Jason. You have yeah. one type of bad guy, and they all play the same, maybe with some different variations. But Deadlight Dead by Daylight is pulling from not even IP; it's just making their bad guys. So I think. If Friday the 13th game made a decent amount of money, maybe we'll see something where they're bringing, like, obviously they're these IPs that we know of, these Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, um, can't think of any other, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you put them all together, it'd be the perfect one of those games, but it's not viable, and it will probably cost a lot of money. Yeah, isn't there like Leatherface and like Mike Myers are Michael Myers are, like in Dead by Daylight, right? You know, I don't have the uh, I don't have the research to back up those, but uh, they wow. some of them are definitely in the Mortal Kombat games. I wonder how could we how could we find out? Yeah, yeah, Mike Myers, Michael Myers is in is in Dead by Daylight. Okay, so is uh. 
Well, looks like the Texas Chainsaw dude. Freddy Krueger. Ghostface. The fucking Stranger Things Demogorgon. <laughs> uh, and Pyramid Head. Dead by Daylight making the moves, you know? They're... Yeah, like, Dead by Daylight already seems, like, a lot more interesting to me just because, like, I can run from Pyramid Head. Yeah, and then addition to their one, two, three, four, five. I got seven bad guys right here who are also just generic slasher dudes. And then I think I th for they're talking about this a little bit on the giant bomb cast, and I thought it was interesting that they were saying that the combat is a lot more user friendly, a lot better for people who are coming to it new. I think Dead by Daylight's a little more complex. Maybe I'd compare it to like a Rainbow Six Siege where you it's gonna take a while for you to learn how to play this game yeah. to be able to have fun with it. All right, lightning round. Got to keep going. Fortnite's giving players two months of Disney Plus by buying shit, Austin. Buy the shit and you'll get Disney Plus, Austin. Buy this skin of Iron Man. Do it. I no, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, for people who are already buying that stuff, cool for them. You know, yeah, people cool. who that's their hobby game and can watch the Mandalorian deals with Disney. Yeah, go go watch Mandalorian. If you get it for two months, that's probably when Mandalorian will be out. For season two, yeah, probably. Ugh, I can't. There's a there's a Witcher article right here, but I can't read it to you, Austin, because season two already. getting delayed. No, no. Oh no! I can't read it to you though, Austin. Give me, um, give me the headline. Just give uh, me the headline. <laughs> don't worry feed about it. Me. Uh, I will not feed you Witcher content, Austin. You have to do that yourself. You're a grown adult. You got oh, this, man. Austin. Shit. I don't know. How old are you, Austin? You're 24, 23. Yeah, like 24. Yeah, yeah so let's see. They've paused production because of COVID. That's not what I said. Oh, but what did you say? Is it about the That's show or the I games? Mm, it's about the show. All right. So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to be free on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on November 10th. No, no. Hang on a moment. We got to. Uh, can you? Well, if you guess the article, I'll give you a cookie. I don't want a cookie. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Jedi Fallen Order coming out there. I think it's already on EA Play for $5 a month. But only Game Pass Ultimate, which is the interesting get. Is you have to have Game Pass Ultimate to have the EA Play stuff. Alright, since we're already talking about it, let's see. It's a it's an article by PC Gamer. The Witcher's wrinkly testicle armor is being smoothed out for Season 2, Austin. We were already talking. We talked about this last is that the, week. Is that, okay, so that's the milk party in armor. It was just PC Gamer making a joke about it. They just called it. And Tesco I didn't want to. Okay. Yeah, they just called it Tesco armor, and I was like, "Oh, I thought that was funny, but not funny enough to tell you." But since you're okay. fucking actively googling it, that's whatever. Okay, they discovered Scrotix. You should have just. You should have just told me. Uh -huh. uh, you should have trusted me. Well, now uh, I know. Yeah, in order. Now I know. When I bring up The Witcher, you will hunt down what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll hunt you. down. I'll hunt down everything live. Uh -huh. Austin Witcher Mark Taylor over here. Edit out that goddamn dead air. I'm not sorry. Oh yeah, I'll edit out some of the dead air. Um, speaking of dead air, uh, Fallen Orders on uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Wow. Uh huh. I'm joking. All right. Um. Yeah, Fallen Orders. Fun. Yeah, it seems cool. I remember liking some of that game. 
hey, respawn made a I would I will call take some take Star Wars and sprinkle it on top of Uncharted and Dark Souls, and that's I think what you got. Yeah, it's game. just I don't I don't remember liking enough of how that game played to really say that um, I thought it was really good. I think there's fun to be had, and there are moments where I think they 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 hit some really cool character stuff, but then it's like at the end of the game and the game ends. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the main character's name of Fallen Order? Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis. Who am I thinking? Kyle Kyle Katarn. Yeah, that's is another uh, Star Wars expanded universe character who's now no longer canon. My poor boy, Kyle. F in in the chat for Kyle, but uh, I like the actor who mocapped him, and I think the acting is pretty well for most of the characters of that game. I should maybe I'll maybe I'll watch up maybe I'll watch a movie of it on YouTube or something together all the uh, story moments of that game. Yeah, it's interesting enough. I think it's a like it's a fun enough story. I think there's some characters that definitely don't get as much time as they should. Um, I also kind of don't like these are some progression stuff with the lightsaber that I'm not super into. Oh yeah, where they just like you start out with one, and then you can dual wield, and then you can make it a double bladed lightsaber. Yeah, you just so it's do like, all of it. You just do all of it. You're cool. To video. Yeah, you go through that game doing that, and like I, I don't know, because like the game Star Wars games have this weird thing where it's like if you start out with like a single like hilt, like a single blade lightsaber, that's your beginner's weapon, and as you like progress, that's where you get like once you progress, that's when you get like the real lightsaber. Which is like the double bladed saber, um, and it's just it's a bit weird to me to frame lightsabers in that way because it's like within like the main material of Star Wars, it's always like talked about as a choice. Like people who use single blade sabers are not less skilled than people who use double bladed sabers; they just don't like it. Yeah, I get it as like a gameplay thing where you want it's like you want the player to experience new stuff as the game goes out and that's just the thing they picked yeah. you could have made different stances with the lightsaber just have a single blade do you get the slink of this weird um cameron monahan yeah. toy they made look at his face look at the face of that action figure oh uh, that's so that's mm-hmm. he's even more like archie yeah um, <laughs> his eyebrows are he, yeah. his eyes are like depressingly molded I'd buy that. I should buy yeah. that toy. I, I think that's a. I think his outfit, the outfits for that game, I really liked. Yeah, the outfits are cool. I wish like the people who wore them were half as interesting. That's true. Uh, I don't know. I, that's also the other thing. I'm just tired of Star Wars like games about like a dude. A dude with a lightsaber. Like, there's so much you can. There's so much you can work with in Star Wars, and, like, hearing interviews where they're like, oh, we didn't want to alienate players by making you anything other than a white dude. Or a um, man. Is, like, is a real bummer to me. Can I get, like, a, uh, can I get, like, a, uh, SimCity game where I'm playing as Jabba the Hutt, and I'm just making a really shitty Tatooine? Like, can I just build Tatooine out? Yeah, dude, give me, like, Capitalism, but for Jabba the Hutt. I'll make some pod racing on the side, you know, so everybody doesn't worry about the how corrupt Tatooine is. They'll be yeah, there. Total War Tatooine. Ah, 
They made some of those are they made some of those like Total Wars types tough for Star Wars, didn't they? I know they have like a uh, galaxy one where you're flying around. Maybe planets. like an Age of Empires, like yeah. Clone Wars game. That's the same thing, right? Uh, n- no. Oh, in my no. mind, they're the same thing, Austin. Sorry. Well, they're no. It's okay. Uh, man, what are what are let's let's we're in it. Let's pitch some Star Wars games, Austin. Give me what what would you. What genre would you like Star Wars to be? Uh, That's just what Star Wars games are. Pick a genre and then put Star Wars on it. <laughs> I I think. Well, that's the other thing is like genre of like like what games are gonna sell is no, not what particularly. Would you, like? what would you like Austin? What would you like? Where do you where would what kind of Star Wars game you want to play? Just tell me. I think Don't if I if I got my own Star Wars. Uh-huh. I think my Star Wars would be like I don't know. I think it, I think it would probably like take up like the spaghetti western like sort of like vibe of Star Wars, right? Mm. I don't think it would necessarily be like I don't know if I'd want it to be like a shooter. I think I don't know. Like maybe let's make Vibroblades a thing again. Yeah, Vibroblades are cool. Let's do well, like yeah, let's do character action Star Wars game, but only with swords. Yeah. Hey. You can you can get the black lightsaber. It kind of looks like a katana. Yeah, that weird like proto lightsaber. Hey, what was that CRPG from 2019? That Disco what they made Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium in Star Wars. But Star Wars, where you have oh, one yeah, city yeah. and just everything you everything is molded by your actions in that game. That would be that would be strange. I think that would yeah. be actually weird. Um, would it be? Because then you have to. Well, I mean, yeah, because then you have to define like what role do police play in star wars and you need uh, to also define like what civil like liberties do people have to protect them from police because that's a big part of disco elysium oh i don't mean the story of disco elysium i mean like the way they set up their gameplay and like the way characters interact with it like where every character will remember stuff and how your stats will dynamically change things in the story you know what i mean yeah like then you have to think about like what would you basically what would basically be like your your like inner monologue cabinet like what would that look like in yeah. Star Wars where it's like you choose like all of your different like emotional like aspects of like you understand this about like history or like you understand how like work with people uh, I don't know there's a lot of possibility spaces that you can take in Star Wars. Yeah. Hey EA, go give the people who made Disco Elysium money and give the yeah. Star Wars game. Just do it. Come on. Give me my Star Wars game made by freaking Studio Zoom, which yeah. I think is Zoom. I think is actually the name of that studio. Like, like, yeah. Slash um. Go onto itch.io and give money to people who make visual novels. Yeah. Let them make some Star Wars visual novels. Mm-hmm. See. I guess I would take Battlefront 2, but make it a good game. There you go. Make it... Take the stuff from Battlefield, put some Call of Duty in there, because Call of Duty knows how to make... Call of Duty makes really good game modes and really tight gameplay, and just make it a little better. Like, come on. The, I think the Battlefront 2 game modes are really lazy. I We played them for a bit, and they are just like, go to the objective, hold this, or like... They just need something. They need that cherry on top, that uh, 
What was your French saying, Austin? I know it's not your saying. I just can't remember it. Je ne sais quoi. Of Battle Battlefront 3 put out a free-to-play Battle Royale mode where you can drop as a stormtrooper smuggler. Maybe you'll pick up a lightsaber. Don't pick up a lightsaber. It, it would break the Battle Royale. Don't put lightsabers in a Battle Royale. Don't do it. You'll just fuck it. Or maybe do it. Maybe it just turns into... You know that um, the game where he plays the Wizards Battle Royale? Sacred. That's what I say, sacred. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, Spellbreak. You could Spell make break. a Battle Royale where everybody's a Jedi and drops down. You have to pick up your Jedi powers and your lightsabers and you start dueling it out. Maybe get some... Because Spellbreak has stuff where you make giant tornadoes and light them on fire and do weird shit. But you could you could do some... You could be like Palpatine. You could run around as Palpatine and get a Palpatine power and just fucking shock people. Like Fortnite will probably do it first. Just They're just going to put Fort, Star Wars into Fortnite next time. It's, it's Marvel this time. It's going to be Star Wars next time, Austin. You're going to just pick up a Palpatine power and just shock people while they're building. Yeah. That's it. They're not going to make it a game. In. They're just going to give Fortnite the license for it. Yeah. Damn, it's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there's the lightning round, Austin. That was we we uh we got to go to break. You know, we we talked about the news, so we'll be back in just a second. Hey everyone, we're back from our break, and uh, we're here to talk about the video games we've been playing this last week. Austin, seems like you're playing some some stuff. Yeah. What's up, man? Uh, so like at the end of yeah, at the end of last show, I was like, hmm, what if I just got into mechs again? Yeah. What, what uh, is BattleTech? I can tease that. So BattleTech is sort of has its origins in like tabletop war gaming. Uh, you know, I'm not entirely clear on like the systems and mechanics of like the tabletop game itself. Uh, but this is a tabletop game uh, partially created by uh, Jordan Wiseman. Uh, Jordan Wiseman also has his name attached to uh, properties like Shadowrun. Uh, and when, you know, and so at some point like mid 2000s, uh, like early 2010s, Wiseman and crew uh, forms a studio uh, called Hairbrain Schemes, and they start. Well, they start making games on, on like licenses that Wiseman's worked on previously. So you get uh, Shadowrun is like the first project they start uh, working on. And so in about twenty, want to say so by twenty eighteen, once they finished doing like their Shadowruns or a trilogy that they did, they released BattleTech, which is a uh, I want to say tactical. It's like sort of tactical uh, squad game in the sense of like an XCOM, right? But also not. Because whereas in XCOM, you have like your limited squad and you don't want anyone to get hurt. Battletech is a game where you have your small squad and they're going to get hurt. They're going to get goofed up real bad. Uh, but that's just just that's just uh, inevitability. Because this is a game where you are all piloting big, hulking trash mechs. Uh, and you are just slugging it out with each other with various... Uh, you know, uh, weapons and just sometimes just metal fists. I think trash mechs are my favorite kind of mechs. Ooh, this looks pretty yeah. too. Yeah, there's something there's something pleasing about the idea about the sort of aesthetic of 
trash mix, uh, as like well as the like camera angle in this game where it's just kind of pulled back and you can see the mix. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's because it's all like it's pulled back enough so like you can almost always see over every obstacle because like these are all like procedurally generated sort of randomized worlds that you're fighting in because it's all in space is the other thing, right? So this game opens with like a we discovered FTL travel in like the 2050 and then like in the couple in the hundreds of years afterwards we've uh, established colonies, gone to war, established more colonies, went back to war, uh, that sort of thing. And you play as a mercenary sort of lance in the middle of one of these wars. Is this PC only also? Yeah. God, I would love to play this on console. Yeah, so like Hairbrain is never like none of Hairbrain's games are like on consoles. Um like the last time I want to say like the last time anyone at Hairbrain worked on like a game was probably like the Shadowrun 360 multiplayer shooter. <laughs> uh, and like the, their opening pitch video for like their Shadowrun Returns uh, Kickstarter was like them throwing stuff at like one of the producers of that shooter who works at Hairbrain Scheme. So it wasn't like they found this guy and just started throwing tomatoes at him. Uh, this is a that was like a bit that they recorded specifically for their pitch. Yeah, so I'm guessing you're a pilot in this. You pick someone in the beginning, and you're on a campaign to do some stuff. Yeah, so like so. the uh, the near, so there are three different modes of this game. You have multiplayer, you have career, and you have campaign. So in the campaign, which is like the narrative component, you are the commander of a uh, of a mercenary unit that has been is being uh, contracted to help a a sort of what's the word for uh sort of i think deposed right uh deposed heiress of this uh sort of this uh multi-planet like nation uh get her throne back right because like you have you have a bit of a history with her you worked for her before she was uh before the coup uh, you were both taught by the same person who, you know, gets killed in the beginning. Uh, and she finds you and contracts you out. And so if you're like that campaign, what you're doing is like a series of missions for her to help her get her thrown back. And it's, it's fine. I'm not particularly into narratives about, uh, like rightful rulers regaining their place in monarchies, A, because like monarchies suck. Uh, and B, they do very little to like actually make me like within BattleTech especially they do very little to make you like like um, Lady Arano. She I I don't know her first name but like her title is just like Lady Arano, and like she's all things considered like probably okay. I don't know. It's like it's not as character focused as like their Shadowrun games are. So there yeah. are a few scenes where she's just standing in the middle of battlefield. And she's like, oh, is this really worth it? And it's like, yeah, you're never gonna do anything beyond. Mm-hmm question that like beyond that question so she's like is this really worth it it's like well of course it is this is the campaign this is the story yeah so what's your squad of max what what do you have set up here you got four people in your squad i'm guessing that's what yeah this so you have like. you have your four mech squad um and there are a variety of mechs that you can control right so when you start out the campaign you're gonna start with a a spider which is a light mech um unfortunately still two-legged right there's no like wicked like animal looking mechs here um you're gonna start with like a a small like two two two-legged like spider mech fella 
uh, who's like half the size of a medium mech. And the thing about light mechs like that is that they go first in combat, right? Because you have an initiative order that's like a five five tier initiative order, and depending on the weight of your mech, you're going to go later uh, in that order. Uh, so you start out with your you start with your little with your little guy, and then you have three medium mechs. So uh, one of them being a blackjack, which is the big gunnery platform mech. That's what your character starts out driving. You have a Shadowhawk, which is this sort of jack of all trades, but isn't really great at any of them. Mech that you know, is is all right at like mid mid range. Like if it gets too close, it's just gonna get torn apart. Uh, and then you have another mech. Its name escapes me, but that mech's whole thing is that it has like a big laser sniper uh, called the PTC that can just absolutely shred shred through like armor really quickly. And so you want to keep that thing like jumping around the map on like its jump jets and firing from like half the map away if you can. And sort of in the campaign as you go, you know you're gonna get into fights. And the thing. Not every fight in this game and how mechs work is it's all modular. And so what that means is there is a separate like armor and health bar for every limb, the center torso, and the head of the mech. And if you can take out a mech without like damaging it too badly, you get more salvage from the mech at the end of the mission. So that means after you get like three three like uh parts of salvage you can make that mech and add it to your arsenal oh so when you're shooting mechs you can get the salvage that they left behind yeah uh that's only if you like if you don't just if you don't damage them too badly like okay you're always probably going to get like one piece of salvage but if you i can say if i get lucky and take out a mech with a hedge in like my first go which almost never happens but it can yeah if i get like a headshot on a mech that's a lot of salvage <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I I like these kind of games. I I think I got Armored Core two on PS two. That was like a two thousand two Armored Core game. And you would start out by you do you have a bunch of solo missions you could do that are kind of similar to this. And then you'd have like an arena you would fight in and level up and customize your mech and stuff. Yeah. And even watch even growing up, like there was a TV show called Zoids Battle. Yeah. Century, I think. Yeah. 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 It's just Battle Tech, but instead you got animals and they're like. It's like a giant tournament, you know, it's the, like, shonen-type anime trope where you're just, like, fighting newer enemies every time, and then, but it's also a tournament, too. You have people competing for stuff. Great show. Yeah, and they're all, like, in, like, these big, like, mobile houses. They go around, they meet, like, in the desert, and it's like, okay, you got your Zoids, and here I've got my big, like, white tiger Zoid. Yeah, the Um, Jaeger, the Schneider, the Panzer different Wild variants thing. of the Liger Zero that the main character used. Looks like a lion. Yeah, you don't have anything like that in Battletech. What you have is like all these, just like gun platforms, right? Everything is a two-legged gun platform depending on like the size of the mech to, uh, sort of dictates what kind of weapons they can carry and like how many of them. So like your spider mech, which is like a real tiny fella, can only carry like two lasers probably. Yeah. If you want to have any sort of like effective armor on it, uh, and like then you get into heavier mechs. And so like right now, my main for like my like player made character, who's like the only character. The other thing is every character can die except for your like player character. So 
like your mech pilots can all like die and you can just have to keep recycling them and like try to level up new guys and it's you know a big hassle so like my main pilot uses a warhammer which is just a absolute unit of a lad uh who's just like it, i'd say it looks like a warhammer like 40k character right like it looks like a really like armored fella uh but instead of like two hands it's just got two giant like laser cannons Mini that hands. absolutely destroy its uh like heat efficiency because like as you fire your mechs like build up heat and so if i were to we call that a dreadnought yeah and so if i fire too much with that mech uh it's going to build up heat real quick and that mech builds up heat builds up heat that quickly uh like i'm going to start damaging my own armor And then yeah, watch It's cool. You can like, easy. it's all like, it's turn based. But when you're moving your dudes, it's real time. Like I'm, I'm watching this guy hop up onto a, like a mountain over here, and ah, oh, that's a chonky boy. He is. Yeah. I like your color scheme too. You know, he's got like the yellow visor, and he's like, it's got the red, and it's kind of like a kind of rust red. Good UI too. Like. All your stats are like set up. I think I'm going to make this the um. Then we get the podcast picture. Who knows? So you can see like these like six stats on these mechs, right? So you have firepower, which is how much damage can you deal. Heat efficiency, which is like how quickly do you build up heat and do you get rid of it quickly? Uh, this boy does not. This boy builds up heat real quick, and it takes a while to make it go away. The movement is also real like down, which means. Like movement in gameplay is important because the farther you can move, the bigger like the more points of evasion you can build up, and the more points of evasion you have, the less likely you are to get hit hmm. by enemy attacks that aren't like melee specifically. You know, you have a uh, range of your guns, right? And that's a three bar, like three points in average range is not bad. It's not great though. Um, and then you have durability and melee, and this boy has big durability and a really good melee score even even when you're shooting people on your turn this game is very symmetric like it'll pull the camera behind your mech and you'll start launching rounds like i'm I'm just watching this guy shoot a giant blue laser into a mech and blowing it up and it's just the particles austin man yeah into it surprisingly i like this game looks surprisingly good like there are a lot of surprising details here in the game that I didn't expect, like if you're building up heat, your mech's gonna start like you're gonna see like steam coming out of your mech. Oh, I see that. Uh, it's real, man. It's real fun. It's real good. It's. I like the hexes that come up when it says your turn around it. Some good. I like aesthetics. Like as yeah. we'll talk about UI, Demon Souls UI not too good. BattleTech UI pretty immersive i'll say that's what ui is supposed to, ui is supposed to be immersive austin yeah like Souls, Battle- as it turns out doesn't do that well it did it did at one yes there was Not a time my version uh yeah valtex ui is i think pretty easy to read especially for like this type of game yeah uh i think the only thing that you might have trouble with is keeping track of like your mech parts like if your arm has enough armor to where you can like Put yourself in a position where like yeah. an enemy will just flank you and blow your arm up and the thing is like they blow your arm up you lose the weapons on that arm and i have this i'm looking at the ui for the bottom here and it looks like you have 
the bottom left that has a front and the rear of your mech, and it'll show the arms and your damage on those and your little yeah. overheat thing like you were talking about. Yeah, so That's you also cool. have to like manage like armor on the mech, and you have armor on every component, and you also have yeah. armor on the back. And the back armor is like the weakest. It is just by like the fact of the weakest, you can't get it up to a number where your rear is going to be uh, like as good as your front facing armor. Uh, cool. So you need to manage, like that's how you like. That's why it's important to manage position in this game. Nice. Well, BattleTech seems cool, right. man. I've been. Yeah. I started playing that Final Fantasy VII remake. I had originally bought it, like when it came out, and played like the opening. So the original Final Fantasy VII was a 1997. Square Enix game in the Final Fantasy series for PS1, and they remade it. Came out March 2nd, 2020. It's on Unreal Engine 4. It looks really nice. It's very cinematic. It follows Final Fantasy 7, and then at points it'll stop following it because in canon, this game is an alternate universe that is like being fucked with in the original timeline. Yeah, I remember. And when that. things deviate, There'll be these dark shadows that come up that are attacking you or trying to put it back. So at some points, there's like a, as a storyteller, this game is like keeping the cool stuff from the original Final Fantasy VII or the stuff they think will make an interesting story and then deviating at certain points to give like the people who played the original one something different. But also like there's a, there's a scene I got to that deviated where I was with one of the squads of uh, what is your squad that's Barrett what's their company Avalanche. called? Yeah, it's Avalanche. I'm with the girl who makes the bombs. Uh, Jesse. I'm with Jesse and we're going off and I'm trying to help her get bomb equipment and it's after we blow up the first Mako reactor and we get into a motorcycle we get these motorcycles because we're going somewhere and this soldier comes up and when they say soldiers in Final Fantasy 7 they mean like genetically enhanced um people who I think it's based off of um like Sephiroth the main bad guy is a soldier but he's like the best one and yeah. they're all getting their DNA from is it Geneva is it uh, yeah, Genova Genova and she's like this entity of Mako or I'm not going to get into that but she's like an energy source that they or an, she's an alien, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, she's technically an alien. It's a, it's a whole so they, thing. That's yeah. what part two is going to be about. I'm not going to get into it, but they use her DNA and they put them in a soldier to make them like super soldiers, pretty much. So the soldier comes up on a motorcycle, and I'm, and it's like a, um, it's like I'm fighting this soldier on a motorcycle, and I'm swinging my sword at him, and there's other soldiers coming up, and it's just big boss fight that was not in the first game at all, because Midgar which is the setting of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you're basically only in Midgar and maybe some outerlying cities. Midgar in the original Final Fantasy VII takes like six hours. Yeah. Whereas they made that section more of a game because it's such like an iconic place and you can do more with Midgar. And I'll talk, I want to talk about like the remake and the soft reboot and the reboot thing because, you know, as weird as that like, original neon genesis series is and as much like good stuff and bad stuff it has they reboot it soft reboot it remake it with neon genesis uh rebuild of neon genesis 
And so the creator kind of kept the stuff he liked and got rid of the shitty stuff, but added some fan service. And I really like when they remake series because it gets you on the nostalgia and they remake the music and they redo the animation. So I think that stuff I really like. Did you beat this game? Uh, no, I haven't. I have not messed with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I played the original. Okay. It's uh, the music's redone too, and the the game the combat's really cool. Like the combat feels like they took what they learned from Final Fantasy XV, which XV was not turn based and was like an action RPG, and this is an action RPG that has picked up some more of the RPG elements that Final Fantasy XV kind of left behind. Like you have your uh, attack meter that'll build up for your specials over time and as you build combos by attacking and you have mana and spells and materia you're slotting into onto your weapons to unlock abilities and i think they keep a lot of the things that you remember that you enjoyed from Final Fantasy 7 while making it just like a new thing too oh, oh and- yes like you don't have like turns for like attacking but you do have to build up like a mirrored special things like materia right yeah Correct, correct. And then, I don't know, it's fun. I like the music. I played it for a couple hours. I just got through the section on the motorcycle I was talking about. And then, I'm playing it in Japanese, because I, I tried playing it with the English, like voice acting. Yeah. And it's just something off enough about it that everyone sounds like they're childish. They're, they don't sound childish, but everyone sounds very excited in the english dub and everyone's really kind of like they're hamming it up a little bit and yeah. I, sometimes i like the japanese dub better because i watch a lot of anime in japanese and it just kind of like this is like the first game i've really played in japanese most games i try to play in english because i've never done that before with a game but i'm really enjoying the voice acting better and there's not like a void for a voice for cloud strife like in Final Fantasy VII, there's I don't think there's anyone talking in that game with audio. No. Yeah. The only time we get to hear Cloud Strife is in like Advent Children, the Final Fantasy VII movie, and then he's in Kingdom Hearts one and two. And in Kingdom Hearts one, um, I think Cloud and Sephiroth are in one, and in Kingdom Hearts two, Tifa's there as well, and Aerith is in Final Fantasy one also. He's, Kingdom Hearts 1, not Final Fantasy. But yeah. So I don't have a, such an attachment to the voice acting for these characters, so I'm cool with, like, playing in Japanese. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, like, a lot of what I've seen from the voice acting is, like, uh, it's kind of hammy. Like, it's kind of like everyone's a bit enthusiastic because they still, they're still at the point where they're like, yeah, Avalanche, we're doing, we're so cool, right? And, like, as you get to the end of the game, like, it's like, oh, Avalanche, maybe, maybe we don't do this? Right and like Cloud is from what I also seen of Cloud, like I feel like his VO is like fine enough for being the very uh, edgy edgy boy. Yeah, that he starts he, they, that game out as they keep him as edgy guy who's serious and won't make too many jokes. You know that stereotype. But everyone else around him, everyone is so attracted to Cloud, and it's the weirdest thing. And <laughs> it's a little better. Like it's a really hard pill to swallow in English, but in Japanese it's a little I'm not as bugged by it because 
Seeing Je- hearing Jesse and Tifa fawn over Cloud is kind of weirder in English, but in Japanese, it's like I'm watching an anime, and it's not as hammy. Yeah, it's real weird. Everyone's hot. To make that- Everyone's yeah, I mean, real hot, Austin. <laughs> yeah, I know. Real. Like, yeah, Barrett's like, pretty. Look, Barrett's a yeah. chonking man with a gun yeah. on his arm. You know, I know, it's kind of. I don't know why they hate that game so horny. Yeah, I mean, like everyone in the original is like attracted to you, right? Like every like Tifa, you know, like throughout that game, Tifa is like pretty attracted to you. But like Jesse only gets like a line where she thinks like where she says like she's attracted to Cloud in that way. Yeah, and I think it's like when she, you know, at the end of like your Midgar section. Yeah, she's the one who ends up getting like killed, is what I. I hear. Is there a way to save her, or is, is she just the one who... Within the remake? I don't know. Um, okay, spoilers. There we go. I think she like, dies. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure, like, all of them do. I'm sure I, I'm sure most of them do. I'm sure we'll see what happens in FF7-2 remake, but in the original Final Fantasy VII, it's just Aerith who gets, like, Sephiroth comes up behind her while she's doing something and stabs her, and it's a very pushing moment. For yeah. Cloud as a character, I hate it when they kill people to make a character more like, oh, we have to do this because I revenge. And I... Well, I mean, yeah, death as a motivation is not particularly good. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I think there's more with Aerith death in like the original than like just making uh, Cloud angry. Like, I think her death is kind of like what triggers. Uh, like Cloud's like growing realization that he is not who he thinks he is. Uh, yeah. I also think Aerith's death is important. Like Aerith's death is important because like that's how the ending like works. Oh, and they were talking right. about Yeah, within the, the original game? game. Yeah, I beat the whole game. Okay. I beat the original game. I only and... played this one, so I got a little bit out of Midgar, but not too far. Yeah. So like w- within like the original game, like Aerith, uh, like Aerith dies, and like something about. To my to my recollection of this, like something about her death, like sort of like fuels a a materia that you need to save the planet. Um, oh yeah, That's and it's not like the ending of like the original is pretty ambiguous as to whether or not you succeed, right? Which is something that I think about in seven is like something I really like with that game is that the the game ends and it's just like nature is overtaken Midgar, and you only see like I think Red Thirteen. Yeah, he's and like staring some, at this city. Some cubs. Yeah. You don't see any humans, and I think that's great. And although as we learned from Advent Children, have you watched Advent Children? Yeah, I watched Advent Children. It's okay. It's the the uh Japanese dub is better. I'll say I that mean, for that one. It's not not I mean, my problem with that isn't this, like character dialogue, it's just that it's generally uninteresting story. Sephiroth's not really in it, but how do you... He's also dead at the end of the first one, and they bring him back for a little bit. Well, it's just, like, more of it. Like, I didn't need more of Final Fantasy VII at the end of Final Fantasy VII. Like, that game ends itself, like, really well. Um, I am interested in seeing how they handle that ending once they get to it in the remake. Because, like, as you said, like, they have these, like, phantoms that are going around and trying to correct the timeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wonder, like, what like how they're going to reframe the struggle of Final Fantasy VII's remake as opposed to like being about you facing off against Sephiroth to you like trying to stop these phantoms from like ruining your lives. Yeah, they're they're maybe it'll be in a, being linked to that. But there are like four Final Fantasy VII 
things in canon along with some other stuff. Look at this PS3 they were selling with Advent Children though. It's the weirdest thing. It's a Advent Children box and it says cloud black and it's a 160 gigabyte PS3. I don't know how I got into that, but it's a Play Asia. It's, it's like an older. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's weird. People, hey, people like Final Fantasy VII. There's Dirge of Cerberus, which is like the Vincent Valentine based game that takes place uh, probably after or before Advent Children. And then there's the prequel with Zack. Oh, it's, Lord. Uh, uh, what is that one called? It's the PSP game. Did they ever remake that for anything else? I don't, Crisis I don't Core. know. Crisis Core. Crisis Core is really cool. If you like the, um, uh, if you like the Final Fantasy 15 combat or stuff that kind of leads up to that, Crisis Core was very influential in like the action RPG stuff. Yeah, just, like, I... like Final Fantasy Type Zero is another like one of those. Isn't that the one with your basically Fire Emblem, where you're like at a school? Mm-hmm. All right. Correct. I'm not gonna touch those. It's fine, don't worry about it. We don't want to have to get into that. But yeah, I have one of my friends, my best friends, like really into Crisis Core, and I never played it. But it's cool, you know. There's a bunch of Final Fantasy VII out there. I hope Remake Two. I if this keeps going, if these keep selling well, I think they're gonna find a way to get Crisis Core and and Advent Children into the remake series. No, no. Either that or like. Let's say they do get to... I think it's going to be a trilogy. If they get to Remake 3, the ending is going to be completely different. Because that's what Rebuild of Ava did. Is there's four movies. And the first movie is basically the same. And then half of the second movie is different. And then three and four, completely different. Yeah, so but they like... might go that route too. Blend the multiverse of Yeah, but like Rebuild of Ava isn't like... They're not like active... There's no like plot point in Rebuild of Ava where they're like actively trying to restore the timeline of Neon Genesis. No. It's like Rebuild's actually like a sequel because the whole world yeah. resets and it's a circle. And so like with with like what with like the threads that they're starting to pull at within like Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think like I think the ending is going to be so about trying to build something new out of uh, like Final Fantasy VII, where I think it's still going to be like tied to the original ending of Seven in a real way. I just think it's going. I think what's going to happen is it's just going to be. It's going to be a lot less about like the meteor that's going to come kill everyone, and more about the interpersonal struggles and like their desires to live their own lives uh, outside of this conflict than like the world ending or like making something entirely new. What if Final Fantasy VII just keeps getting games made because they never make an ending for it, Austin? That that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, you know, technically, you know, like Square's been real weird with Final Fantasy. I mean, technically, Final Fantasy XV is a canceled game. Is it? It is. Uh, because they canceled the DLC. Oh, interesting. Yeah, these look. They had a lot more DLC that they're going to play. Final Fantasy 15. Uh, and that all got canceled. that well. Yeah, I mean... It was too different and, like... I don't know. I enjoy it. Even... I never even beat it when it... I am mostly played it in the last two years compared to when it came out in 2016. It's a different game. And I think people... 
or weird about it. And it's been fucking been being made forever. It started out as versus 13 in 2006. They basically made that game for 10 years, Austin. Well, that's what happens, man. PS3, PS4, that was a rough jump for people. It's going trying to learn the cell processor and then not working on the cell processor. As it turns out, Square takes a while to make games. You know, Kingdom Hearts 3, same thing happened. They were on the fence. Hey, do we make Kingdom Hearts 3? And then they did the 3DS version, which might have been like the original Kingdom Hearts 3. And they're like, oh, we'll just skip it. And I don't know. It shouldn't take 10 years to make a game, but sometimes it does. Squaresoft needs to learn to. Okay, Square Enix. Squaresoft is the old name. My Squaresoft apologies. ain't learning anything new. They're dead. They're not even a company. Square Enix should figure out how to release a game in five years. And hey, I mean it's their money. You know, if they pour a bunch of money into it, they need. But they need to make it back. You know, hopefully, sixteen comes out at a reasonable reasonable point. We'll see. I think that'll be the two the two products. Sorry, the three Square Enix products that are somewhat attached to Final Fantasy is we'll have the Final Fantasy VII stuff coming out with one developer. We'll have the Final Fantasy XVI's and mainline stuff. Then we'll have their Kingdom Hearts shit that they're working on that isn't even linked to Final Fantasy anymore. They give up on that. Sucks. I want to fight Sephiroth. Damn it. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. How's Heaven Will Be Mine? You were playing that a little bit. On the, I see this yeah. see this list. What's up? Yeah, so, you know, continuing on with Next, um, I went back to a sort of a visual novel I had purchased uh, called Heaven Will Be Mine. And this is another, like, this is another 2018 mech classic, right? 2018 was real. Mm. It was the year of the mech in a real way. Into the Breach was like 2018 too, right? Yeah. So we had like Into the Breach, Good time uh, Heaven Will Be Mine, Battletech. Uh, and I, like, I'd argue like Heaven Will Be Mine and Battletech were like, probably like my two favorite games of 2018. Um, so like with Heaven Will Be Mine, you play as like one of three ace pilots uh, for these various factions uh, within like a, in an eight day war in solar system. Right. So you have uh, Lunaterra, who's like this, and they're all like teens, right? So you have Lunaterra, who's like this sort of like older teenager who's fighting for like the Earth, um, the Earth Memorial Foundation, which mm. is about like getting people out of space and back to Earth. You're you talking have... about the Federation and Gundam, right? Kind of, yeah. Is, this, is he the Amaro? No, the no. Amaro? So she's, well, I mean, they're all like she, kind of an Amaro, right? So like she's, yeah, these are all like women. You play as like these okay. one of three like one of three women, um, yeah, like yeah no like the thing is like this game does have like a type or like a version of new types. Uh, I would not say within the narrative from what I'm gleaming, what I gleamed, Lunaterra is not like one of them. Um, she's like a very like whereas like the other two pilots you can play as like very into the sort of the psychic space mm-hmm. uh, and like metaphorical space that they can navigate. Uh, mentally, Lunaterra is very uh, material. She's very tactile. Like her mech is the oldest of the three. Uh, it is like the it is uh, ancient compared to 
the other two in both its design and its implements. Whereas, like, one of the other pilot uh, is a woman named Pluto. She works uh, for the faction Cradle's Graces, which is about, like, there's a group of people who space. Um, and her, like, mech is this huge monstrosity that, like, can bend gravity waves, right? Um, Lunaterra's mech has, like, a sniper and a spear. Mm-hmm. All right, and time out for what... a section. You said Luna Terra, and I thought you were talking about an organization at first, but yeah, I realize... No. Yeah, Luna Terra is a name. Moon Earth, also yeah. her name. Yeah. Are all the characters planets? I'm kind of into that. Her... Yeah, yeah, so you have Luna Terra, Pluto, and your final character is uh, Saturn. Nice. And she works for Celestial Mechanics, which is... I think my best understanding of celestial mechanics is that they are a science organization dedicated to moving humanity beyond like the physical form. Mm. And they are based in like the ruins of Mars. I think that's like very close to what Unicorn Gundam does. But yeah. yeah. Looks cool. I like the art style. Yeah. The art style is really dope. Uh like the thing about this is this hits like for me. This hits the spot of like kind of like expression. Like this is more like expressionist in like its action than say like BattleTech is, where like BattleTech is very like mud and guns, like modular combat. This is all like all all the combat here is I think far more expressive than it is like literal, considering the fact that like one of your pilots literally just bends gravity, right? The other one uh, is basically in. In a real like big cat mech looking thing, yeah, and like has claws that will like poison other mechs. Is this Pillow Fight Games' first one? No, this is their second. Game. So their first we know game the devil. Was, yeah, their first one. Yeah, we know the devil, which is not a game I'm familiar with. I'm just on their uh, IO page because support indie games. Um, that's cool. It is this is Heaven Will Be Mine mostly. Like a uh, visual novel, or do you at all like have mechs fighting through like any decisions like that are the game will present? Because I'm looking at some like gameplay. Yeah. It, presents, and it looks like, like you're going through menus mostly. Yeah, so like you present some choices, right? Like first choice being like who do you decide to play as for this run? Mm-hmm. Um, and the choices for, like presented to you are uh, when you undertake each mission, because you have about eight days, there's a sort of, you're in an eight-day war in this setting. And at the beginning of each mission, it's going to ask, who does this, who does the outcome of this mission favor? Mm. Uh, and it's either your your faction or the faction you're oppo- that's opposing you in this. Uh, and as you get to, like, as you go through the game, uh, each faction's going to build, like, a percentage number, right? Uh, and that represents like their power within the solar system. And the higher the number, like whoever has the highest number, that's the ending of it. And there's so the there end- multiple endings in this too. Yeah, there are technically there are technically four. Um, there is like a, an ending for each faction, and then there's mm, mm. sorry, okay. my dog just slapped into my leg. Oh. Noodle is a very clumsy poodle. Um, got him. So, like, the fourth ending is if every faction is like at fifty percent, mm. you get a little screen where 
all the pilots like who are they're just talking to each other like yo so like how'd this happen uh and then you get to decide which of the three endings you want which of the other three endings yeah very gta gta 5 thing where you just pick everybody wins that's cool it's really it's really um like I think it's really good. It's really angry. It's sort of, I think, very indulgent in some of its writing. Seems a little uh, teen angsty. Kind of picks up on. Oh, that. there's dude. There's so much angst. Teen pilots. You know, like, it's a good, it's a good setting. That's why anime doesn't. Half of these missions are going to end with like these characters making out with each other. Yes, I was going like, to ask about the romance. It seemed like there was people getting out of their mix and. Yo, it's so gay. Snogging. In yeah. like in the best way you can be gay. It's it's wonderful, right? Yeah. Like everyone is angry. Everyone like they're all angry. They all have like like repressed emotions towards each other. And depending on what choice they're gonna be like, okay, this is stupid. We're done fighting. I'm climbing into your cockpit. I'm gonna pull a gun on you. And then we're gonna make out. And then we're gonna we're make out. Intense. That's uh, like it's so it's so much, man. Reminds me. For some reason, I'm thinking of that Mr. and Mrs. Smith where they're fighting and then, like, ugh. Yeah, where they, like, where Brad Pitt and Angela Jolie are, like, shooting each other for the better part of 20 minutes and then they just decide to bone. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, I, it's just, it's, it's interesting, man. Like, it's, there's not a lot of, like, this type of mech fiction, like, in the game, in game space. Mainly because, like, people want mechanics to play with. Yeah, and I just I like how expressive this is, like as it, it as it uh, pertains to its characters and like the violence they enact upon each other. I might pick this up on IO. I am a big Gundam fan, and I this art style is very reminiscent of like Universal Century timeline of Gum- Gundam, yeah. which is like their main timeline. And we should also say, like, as far as like mech designs, like this is more. Like one of them is basically a cat, right? One of these yeah. mechs is basically a cat. The other is just a very large red, uh, red like humanoid that has like a veil, oh, crystal pillars across their face. The other one looks like, I want to say, kind of looks like a gazelle in some way. Interesting. Uh, and it's like Lunaterra's looks like this like rusted gazelle type, and it's very interesting. It reminds me of uh, there's an anime. They do something like that, but okay, this is on iOS too. That's I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they released this thing like I I got it on Steam like a couple years back. This is before I started like this is before I made an IO account an itch. Yeah, account. So like I I bought this on Steam a while back, and I played through it once. Uh, like in twenty in twenty eighteen, didn't ever go back to it. But like as I was going through Baltic, I was like, "Let's well, have like lighter mech stuff right now." Yeah, uh, that's also just just somehow just as angry as BattleTech is. Yeah, well, if you're kind of into the uh, the mech like teen stuff, Darling in the Bronx is a pretty okay anime. It's like a more recent. One. I sent you a link if you want to look at those mech designs. They all look like the pilots, kind of. Oh, this is so much. Yeah, it's different. You kind of it takes a little bit to get used to. I didn't like the designs at first because I thought they were too humanoid looking, but they're not too bad. That the show is very Japanese horny though, and mm-hmm. I it's a that's a very anime thing, which can be yeah. a bummer. If you click that second link, that there has to be two pilots in all of it, and the, a lot of the show uh, will compare yeah. like 
Um, they're they're all they're all like um, eighteen and in college or something, or maybe they're they're in some boarding school living together because you have to like create a synergy between your pilots, kind of like the Pacific yeah, they have to be thing. drift compatible. Yeah. yeah, they have to be drift. But instead of being drift compatible, the the female pilot of it will is bent over, and the male pilot is grabbing like controls from behind her. So that stuff's weird. It yeah. It's kind of funny in the first couple episodes. They don't really, they they flip it. You know, they do a little. Here's a fun one where they flip the the general. They have a a guy being the pilot, or the, a guy being the suit, and the girl's the pilot. But like, they don't do that stuff too much. Most of the other stuff is like they focus a lot on the characters, like being angsty and having their relationships being broken up and being pulled together and trying to learn to be like friends with each other while the yeah. corrupt adults of the world are trying to use them pretty much. And they're all brainwashed and thinking they're trying to help. It goes places. It's okay. Yeah. You just have to be like, all right with the weird pilot thing, which Evangelion also plug suits, but you know, there's not a bent over girl, which yeah. That's a weird and like, thing for this anime. And like as far as like horniness and like mech stuff goes, like I don't know, like there's there's a bit of like anime horny I'm not super into. Like I'm about like I can tolerate like the horny of like heaven will be mine because like the horniness kind of just comes in like anger more than anything. Yeah. Right. And they get to like a point where like sometimes like maybe these characters will make out and then it's like a cut to black. There's not like a lingering shot on like any of the characters, like, you know, bodies in that way. Yeah, and that's an unfortunate thing that has kind of carried through in anime that I wish they would get rid of. But yeah, yeah. we don't have to get on get on it too much. Yeah. You know, I think we're both on the same page about it, though. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's like a thing. It's means like there's it's like a fundamental thing about like mech anime, like about mech fiction is that it in some way like is always about like the human body because like we're making giant humanoid killing machines. Uh, I just wish people would like bring it to the forefront in a way that was not like oh wow like we're hoard like we're hoarding for this anime character type yeah. deal yeah it's weird but um see what was i so playing? what else have you got in the tank i played about an hour of bloodborne before i was like i am not chilling i am i am too i'm trying to chill right now and i have had a rough day and i cannot play any more bloodborne but i started bloodborne I, um, ah, shit. I wrote down what my build was, but I forgot. Okay, I took the saw blade in the beginning. I think it's the saw blade. Uh, it's the one that's like, yeah, I took a saw blade and I, I went for the build that gives me the damage. And then, when it, so, which you're starting, because when you, when you start up Bloodborne, you have to pick a character type. Yeah. Yeah. So you went for the build that gives you strength damage. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's what the saw blade uses. Um, cool. Yeah, like the saw blade's a really good starter weapon. Like I'd say, the saw, I think it's the most popular starting weapon. And there's there's a couple of reasons for that. A, it's it's a bit easier to handle than like the cane is, and it also just looks cooler than the axe. Um, but I think the saw blade also gives you a good buff in like the earlier bosses of Bloodborne because the earlier bosses of Bloodborne are beasts, right? Uh, and the saw blade has like a like has a hidden stat and other weapons like it where like serrated weapons do 
more damage to beast enemies. Yeah, I saw that. And then I went with shotgun because I just okay. want to... And then I learned how... I was like, oh, if an enemy is attacking you, you shoot them with your gun, they'll stagger and you can get some hits in. So, man, it's pretty... Like, when you fucking... The game opens up and you pick your stuff and it's kind of showing you this werewolf eating someone and you get into this the laboratory. You don't have any weapons. You walk up and the you get fucking murdered by a werewolf and you die. And then mm-hmm. you go to what I'm assuming it's like a graveyard you go to. I don't it's like the hub pretty much. Yeah, the hunter's dream. Yeah. And then you're picking your weapons up and then you go back and you kill that werewolf and you start leaving. And you're in the and then you enter the town. And I, I muddled around the town a little bit. That's about as far as I got. But as a Souls guy, I was still trying to get used to... I forgot that they prioritize, like, if I'm dodging and someone hits me, it's going to be knock me out of my dodge. Which I'm kind of used to, like, dodging and getting my iframes. But I was getting hit while I was dodging and dying. So I was trying to get used to that, which was, like, different enough. Like, for example, you know, the, there's that really big enemy. He's, like, the first big health bar enemy in the town. Yeah. And he he killed me twice before I beat him, so I was just trying to learn to play while I was fighting him. Yeah, so he had enemies there to, like, really teach you the importance of, like, uh, gun parrying. Yeah. Aesthetically uh, very like, pretty. Too. Yeah, no, it's very... As far as, like, Crumb's work goes, like, it's singular in... Like, it's aesthetic, and I would say general, like, creativeness in a lot of enemy design. Yeah, and it's like, not a lot of games do, like, Victorian steampunk. Well, well, not at AAA. AAA, I'm talking. Except for, like, the only other thing is, like, Order 1886. Or, like, horror. It's like, it feels like horror punk, too. Yeah. Sorry, you gave me a well. Did I, uh... Well, it's like I was thinking, like, spe- like specifically, like the order, and then you have like some more stuff like outside of the triple space, but yeah, and it's cool. I um, I might mess with it more. What what I ended up doing is I was playing it, and then I was like, oh, this is too much. I really like Souls games, but I went and just fucked around the open world in Tsushima, just like their main campaign. So I was just like doing some side quest stuff. Yeah, I mean, Getting I think Katana it's... stabbing. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've completely like warped my ability to talk about these games, like Souls games, is like so warped by the fact I've, I've played through them far too much. Yeah, right. And like, I, people, people talk about how stressful they are, and I'm like, I mean, I for reference, like, I, the time in my life where I did Demon Souls, Dark Souls One, Dark Souls Two, and then I haven't really played a Souls since then. I've played a lot of like. Games with stamina bars, like I played a lot of Monster Hunter in 20... God, was Monster Hunter World 2018? Maybe. It was. Or it was 2019. Let's take a look. 2017, yeah. So I played a lot oh, of Monster Hunter World. But I'm, I've been kind of going into, like, not as demanding for a player. But it, you know, it's cool to go back into it. I got some, got some nostalgia. Like, I, I beat all three of those games. I beat the Demon Souls and Dark Souls, but not Dark Souls 2. And that's where I fell off, kind of. And I haven't really been back since. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll get back. Maybe, uh... Co-op has always been more fun in those games. I definitely... They did give me an option to, like, play offline, which I instantly picked, because I don't know if Bloodborne has people invading you. There are... 
unless you unless you summon, uh, there are only two instances in Bloodborne, to my under, to my knowledge, that you will be invaded. Um, those are both in uh, in like way later parts, but you're gonna get like a notification where it's like the bell ringing woman uh, rings like her sinister bell, and that's like that summons invaders. Oh my gosh. Um, and so you just need to find that that NPC standing around the level, and you only you can just kill her, and she won't come back. Uh, but those are both in. I think they're both in both optional. The game. I'm not sure. No, there is one in a story critical section, but that's she's easy enough to find. And I also like Bloodborne's been out for so long. The likelihood you're going to find anyone be summoned against you. Um, is is pretty pretty low. Yeah. Hey, maybe maybe I'll play it through with you one time if you feel like bloodborning it up. I don't know. I mean, I, how, how's the summon? How do you summon people? Is it like a stone? Do you place a sign on the ground, or is it just like Matt? Can you just invite someone? Bloodborne's bloodborne summoning is like such a ordeal. Yeah. Um, you the thing is like you need to have like a code. Like you need to type in like a code to summon people. Mm-hmm. Uh, to summon specific people, you can't just like invite someone into your session. Um, it's like you put like a summon key in your game, and then I have to put a summon key in my game, and then we have to perform like a summoning ritual. And I'm not sure who does it on which end. I don't know if I like go to the goblet uh section of the hunter's dream and put like a goblet that will allow me to be summoned. It's just a whole ordeal. I'd really have to look up a tutorial later. Yeah, I remember in Dark Souls, we would both be in the same level, and you'd throw your summoning side down, and I'd go look for where you put it down, and if it was the same username. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, it's... nostalgia. A flash yeah. of nostalgia just hit me from summoning in Demon Souls 1. wonder if they're... Did they say if they're going to do what the summoning in the Demon Souls PS5 is going to be, or if it's just going to be, like, you can invite someone to your game? I I haven't curious. seen much for curious, curious. much in the way of like the summoning mechanic in their coverage. But I also like haven't listened to that whole like state of play video they did. Yeah, but I don't I don't think they touched on summoning. Okay, well I think we've got a little long in the teeth right now. Uh, so I'm gonna call it here. Hey, if y'all want to send us any uh, emails, you know I'm still open to talking about weird food stuff. Bug snacks, maybe talk to me about bug snacks. Just send me the, send me that. Uh, you can email me at thirdcoastgamingradio at gmail dot com. Austin, what what kind of emails you want people to send you? What's up, dude? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really need people to send me emails. Uh, oh yeah, the radio. Third coast, the, yeah, yeah. In the third coast, uh, you know, I don't know. Talk to me about mechs. Yeah, yeah, or uh, you know scrotum looking armor from the witcher you know we also we don't need we don't need to talk about the scrotum (laughs) armor it's true all right where can people find you at austin uh you can find me on twitter at beardless2 t-w-o all right and i'm at travis 23 doyle you know we'll catch you next week until then have a blast